Welcome to Left of the Throne, a Game of Thrones review podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Monterulo, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? I'm sad it's all over. I'm very sad. Uh, it got to me today a little bit. I was at work and I was just like, fuck, I feel like a like feel empty inside. Um, yeah, I know. And and that's it. There's no more Game of Thrones forever and ever until the sequels and prequels and reboots. And, you know, this is this is now HBO Star Wars. Right. And it's going to be, you know, the fans, there's going to be like a 10 percent of the fans are going to hate everything that happens because it's not as good as the original. And then people are like, oh, this is way better than the, you know, it's just it's going to be that it's going to be that forever. It's going to be shit, a bunch of shitty discourse on it forever. But you know what? Like, (sighs) yeah, I. I, yeah, I don't think I've ever been this bummed out about a series I like ending and like for the right reasons, because I just thought they really fucking nailed the landing on like a lot of people. And I, oh, and I really. Yeah, I, it, yeah, I, I think we're definitely going to get a lot of Game of Thrones content, a lot of stuff in the Game of Thrones universe, but uh, and I'm sure some of it's going to be fucking awesome. And I'm sure maybe we'll even review some of it, but it's like I, I don't think anything is going to touch the magic of this decade of our fucking lives that that was devoted to to you know following the show and like reading all these theories and and you know watching all these behind the scenes it's just such an incredible monoculture experience i don't think any show is gonna attain anytime soon like it's gonna be a really long time before everyone you fucking know on the planet is talking about the finale of a show as it's airing you know what i mean like i that's it might be the last piece of monoculture we have like just because things are so and i wonder if that's part of the zeitgeist is now people know that just with a few hashtags they can say something shitty and snide without much thought and it gets a ton of attention right um you know imagine if twitter was as big back in the day when the finale of sopranos aired like you want to talk about a disappointing finale (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like the last scene of the last episode of Sopranos, you're just like, uh, what the fuck was that? <laughs> what the fuck kind of Jim Jarmusch ending was that to the Sopranos? Uh, yeah. yeah, but I mean, this 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 whole season, I think they it went a little faster than I would have liked. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, they, they cut out to, you know, where's the character development? It's like, this is the culmination of character development. Everything that happens is still character development. They're still fucking developing these people. They're still developing these characters. Like when I've said no to 10 episodes, absolutely not. But I, I still am not unhappy with how no. it turned out. You know what I mean? I mean, this was this was the, the marathon. Um, you know, we we didn't even get a real battle on this on this show till the third season. Right. We never actually saw a battle. And then it was like, then you got yeah. like two years later, Battle of the Bastards. You got Hard Home, which is still like Hard Home is a pretty short scene if you look at the whole thing. Um, Watchers on the Wall was like the first bit, I think, was that season four? Where yeah, the that was that was decent. That was decent. Um, that was like the first kind of bit, it's sort of big scale. But even that was like in a fucking yard. Like, right. And, and then we get, you know, maybe the best single episode of television ever. Um, the Battle of Winterfell. And, you know, complete fan service and people still were like, but it was too dark. Out. It's like fucking then turn your monitor up. Yeah, idiot. <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. Buffering tends to, to pixelate. But, you know, like we already talked about this a million times. It's like, yeah, episode five. It's like, oh, you want to see every last gory detail? Well, here you go. I'm like, oh, man, this just came out of nowhere. Like, oh, the, you know, Danny, I'm going to burn cities with fire and blood. And then she goes and does it. <laughs> like this writing makes no sense. Where did this come from? It's like, hey, did you rewatch the show? 
She literally says in season one, I'm going to take what is mine through fire and blood. And then she takes what is hers through fire and blood. Twice a season. Yeah. And then when she fucking burns the, the, the guy she got the, she gets the unsullied from who she burned purely just because she knew that he was insulting her. Like he didn't do anything. Uh, to, mm-hmm. to warrant that, aside from just being a fucking asshole, uh, she burns that whole city behind her. I don't know if people notice that, but it's not just like she kills all the slave masters, but then you see a whole army marching away. That whole city's on fire, too. So anyone that says that like this came out of nowhere, this this heel turn does not fucking remember who this character. Yeah, is. I, I mean, think you were talking about well, TYT's review. Well, yeah, I mean, they're not serious people. They're not they're not entertainment critics. They're not people who make entertainment. They're not people who have ever written fiction before. It's just that they're just casual consumers, which is fine. Like, I'm not going to fault them for it. But the fact that they're doing a review show is a little silly. But I mean, it's fine. You know, people everyone's entitled to their opinions. But and look, I don't want to we we talked plenty last week about why people who were saying that it came out of nowhere are just not uh deep thinkers when it comes to fiction and not deep th- not I, I don't uh, that's that's too insulting they're not they they don't dig deeper into the metatextual nature of the show or even into the just plain text you know uh dialogue spoken on the show so i mean if they want to say like you know I, I really think a lot of that stems from the fact that people love that character you know, as a lot of us did for a while, and it was like very traumatic and like upsetting to them that a character that they identified with could turn out to be such a monster. But it really was there the whole time. And it really begs the question, like, why were you identifying that person with that person when they were saying the things they were saying? And is it just right. because they were burning people that you thought were the bad people? And how does that make them any different than the way the United States behaves to- towards all of these other yeah. countries in the world who we label our enemies. Or, and that's or why I like her, her, her rationale. That was what I was the most tense about is what is her rationale going to be for what she did? And she literally says, well, uh, it's, I didn't do anything wrong. Cersei put those people in the path of my fire, which is like literally like what fucking Netanyahu says about killing uh, exactly. Palestinian civilians, you know? And that's when you're, that's the really scary part. Like when she's doing the big Nazi speech, uh, oh, yeah, you know, that's that's terrifying. But later on, it's like when she's smiling and she's totally fine with it, that you're like, oh, like, yeah, we'll we'll get into more of those details. But big picture, I think people, they see what they want to see. And there's also there's so much show to remember. They don't remember a lot of these scenes or they don't remember the context of it or the show kind of, you know, what I consider to be good writing, what everyone else seems to think is bad writing is showing somebody's flaws right on the surface and still making you identify with the character so well uh, that you go along with it. And that to me is good writing. These are complex characters. They have moments of insecurity. They have moments of rage. They have moments where people are trying to calm them down uh, moments where they see their better nature, you know, and moments where they give into the worst parts of their nature. That's everyone has those moments. I mean, we don't all obliterate an entire city when we have a temper tantrum. <laughs> we also don't all have dragons. I mean, you no, know, but we've but all no, wanted to. I've all I've been sure. times like, you know what? I should I could fucking burn down Boston. What, what, what would you lose, really? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, it, it, yeah. And I think that the other problem is that people are just like they're not philosophical thinkers they they think that if something doesn't make sense it's a it's a flaw with the story and not a flaw with them right 
And, yeah. and it's it's like when you see people asking those questions, like, well, what was the what was the all these prophecies? Like, why why did they even reveal that John was Aegon Targaryen? Why did you know why was Arya brought Arya brought back to life? Like, why why this? Why that? Why this? Why that? It's not it, these aren't questions that come from a place of curiosity. They come from a place of entitlement. That well, I watched this show all these years, why and why didn't they explain everything to me for for my fucking you know ant brain to to process? You know, I shouldn't have to think. I should just be able to consume and have it spoon fed to me. And I don't have any patience for people like that. Like David Fincher said this many times that, you know, art cinema is not there to entertain you. If it does that, that's a byproduct. Right. But the the goal of real cinema, of real, you know, photography and sound and dialogue and writing and production of, of, of art on motion picture is not there to entertain you. It's there to make you fucking think. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, a, a lot of those people, you know, as I mentioned, uh, identified with Danny because she was the most entitled character in maybe in TV history. I mean, that's, you know, that's her whole thing. And it's, uh, there's no logical reason for her to be feel entitled to the things that she feels entitled to, but it's just, that's what she wants. And that's what she's been told that she's get going to get. And that's what she's accustomed to. And people are accustomed to getting things laid out to them in a very, uh, a very simple manner, a manner that 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 casual TV watchers can understand. And it's like, that's this isn't the show for you guys. Like, this is the most popular show on television. So inevitably, and, you know, we've talked a lot about this, like The Walking Dead and other shows like that, when you have that many people watching, you're going to get people who are casual viewers who don't remember season to season the, the, the arcs of these characters. They couldn't, they can't remember where Daenerys came from all the way in season one or where, what, ha, what the arc of John's character and his growth and things like that. They just remember the major plot points. And then they're confused when these characters act out these, these character traits that we've, that they've shown, you know, uh, inklings of all the way since, you know, season one. So I just don't, I have no patience for those people either, but I, I also don't want to be like, uh, you know, Oh, they're fucking at, like they're just i i don't know <laughs> I, I i don't know i don't know how to you know i i just those people it's like they're gonna feel how they feel like let them you know have their small-minded view of the show and that's fine and again there are people who who are deep show watchers who didn't like the way things went this season and it's like again that's fine too and i'm not saying those people are stupid yeah, for not liking it, it but it's less disingenuous at least yeah sure Sure. If you're if you're like a, a book reader or even if just a show watcher who really follows the lore of the show and really thinks deeply about the language of cinema and the way the stories are laid out and you really just didn't like the way things went, that's fine. But don't act like it's because it's like piss poor, you know, basic writing and all these things, because that's just not true. Like that's that's empirically not true. So, I mean. You know that you know everyone's right. entitled. Well, it's to like, not like that it, shitty immature like, thing where people can't separate what they like from what's good. Because there's really great mm-hmm. musicians out there that I just don't like, and I'm smart sure. enough to know the difference. Anyway, so I'm, not, I'm not gonna go. My- I don't like that band. They fucking suck. Like let Led Zeppelin. They fucking suck, dude. Led Zeppelin sucks because I don't like them. And if they were good, <laughs> I'd like them. 
it's like, well, I actually, I fucking love Led Zeppelin because they're fucking amazing. But like, there's definitely musical group like you <laughs> that's know, a good out there. Uh, that, I don't like, really listen to Led Zeppelin. That's a good thing. It's like, but I would never be like, oh fuck, Led Zeppelin, they suck. I'm just like, yeah, it's just not really my cup of tea. Yeah, but like that's you know. <laughs> well, and for a long time, this show wasn't my cup of tea either because I wasn't into dragons and fucking spells and wizards and shit. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, it's not a fantasy at all. It's a political drama. It's it's very much a political drama and. It's just set in a fantasy realm, the same way that, you know, Star Trek isn't really sci-fi. It's it's a it's a geopolitical drama um, set in outer space, right? It's it's space communism. Yeah. It was how Gene Roddenberry wanted to kind of spread the seed of like, hey, what if there was no more uh, money, no more um, you know, famine or poverty, no more nations, no more religion, or at least not on Earth, at least the you know civilized uh, cultures. But uh, you know, it, it definitely. He knew he couldn't make a show about that now he had to set it in the future so people wouldn't think about it too much um you know <laughs> the same way in this show where we all thought that the idea of breaking the wheel might get us closer to a democracy and of course when poor samuel suggests as such they fucking laugh him out of the <laughs> they laugh him to his sits down well yes and no warriors so let's save that till we get to the end yeah. but i you know yeah, I, I think but but I think yeah yeah we'll get to that. So let's uh, well, oh well there's you had no you had me pull an audio clip from uh, yeah. Well let, let me kind of set this up because I feel like a lot of the people who are like well what about this what about that what about this prophecy what about that thing why didn't this lead to you know they, they just they have they need validation in all these things and I think even if they really don't like they expected all those things to get to get wrapped up and be explained to them. Um, that level of confusion it's like the, there is a philosophy on the show there are scenes in this show one in this last episode that feel like they're written just to try to explain to the audience like look it doesn't fucking matter like you can just chill the fuck out and stop with all your little fan fiction theories and some of the stuff is always going to be a mystery and that's why it's a complete world it's like it's like they want the the prequel version of Star Wars where they explain what the fucking force is and, and it's like metachlorians oh, it's like it's God. like they want that like what was the Lord of the Lord of Light? What was that all about? What was it? You know, so I, I feel like one of the the great philosophers of of what this world is, and what the, the way that the different characters should see the world or try to see the world to understand the world they live in, it, it, it's dialogue directed more towards the audience where it's trying to explain. Like, look, some of this stuff just won't ever be explained, and that's okay. So, let's hear it from yeah, so- from our man, Beric. You don't look much like him. Who's that? Your father. I suppose you favor your mother. You knew him? Of course I did. When he was hand, he sent me off hunting for the mountain. Your wildling friend told me the red woman brought you back. Thoris has brought me back six times. We both serve the same lord. I serve the north. The North didn't raise you from the dead. The Lord of Light never spoke to me. I don't know anything about him. I don't know what he wants from me. He wants you alive. Why? I don't know. That's all anyone can tell me. I don't know. So what's the point in serving a god if none of us knows what he wants? I think about that all the time. I don't think it's our purpose to understand. Except one thing. We're soldiers. We have to know what we're fighting for. I'm not fighting so some man or woman I barely know can sit in a throne made of swords. So what are you fighting for? Life. Death is the enemy. 
the first enemy and the last. But we all die. The enemy always wins. And we still need to fight him. That's all I know. You and I won't find much joy while we're here. But we can keep others alive. We can defend those who can't defend themselves. I'm the shield that guards the realms of men. Maybe we don't need to understand any more than that. Maybe that's enough. Right. Maybe that's enough. So just just to point out, um, that scene took place after the books. Right? So that's that's the the two showrunners writing uh, amazing dialogue, amazing thought provoking dialogue that contextualizes the entire show. Right. And I think a lot of people would watch that scene and go, what was that about? What the fuck are they talking about? I don't get it. Yeah. And, and it's like, literally, they're teaching you how to be more cinematically literate with the words this character is saying. You're still fucking missing it. Um, so that line, we are the, the shield uh, that guards the, realms, guards of the men, realms of men. Yeah, It gets repeated several times, but it's like John repeats that um, in in one of the final scenes in this last episode. And it's like, he he remembers those words. He remembers that this conversation, and it's a pivotal moment because you think, you know, there's there's no way John's going to do what John's going to do, uh, and then he thinks of those words, and he thinks that you know maybe none of this makes sense, but I, I do know what the right thing to do here is. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and I, and I think that really informs uh, a lot of the way John approaches the the end of the series and then the actions he takes which you know we'll we'll get to as the episode unfolds so let's uh why don't we just get into the recap because we have a sure. lot oh, of just show to real recap. real quick comment well, i don't know yeah. the name of the actor that plays uh barrack but wouldn't you just love like every uh, every fucking novel even like favorite novel of yours that he would just oh, he'd be like, a great a, a book on guy <laughs> just such a like i could listen to that fucking voice forever honestly I um I've been actually listening to a lot of books on tape lately. No, I mean not on tape, but on audiobook because I uh just moved and I got a new library card at the new library near where I live now. And I didn't realize, but there's this like app where you can just use your library card and download like a bunch of fucking free audiobooks every month. Hmm, and nice. it's like amazing. Yeah, it's it's the fucking coolest thing in the world. It's called called Hell and uh, just been listening like a ton of fucking Neil Gaiman audiobooks where he narrates them himself. And that dude has an incredible fucking narrator's voice um, and a great writer. So but in any event, I actually might bring him up later when I talk about John's ending, because there's a really interesting parallel to another character from a great uh, piece of uh, fiction that I'll that I'll mention later. But um, yeah, so why don't we just get right into the recap, because <clears throat> I got a lot of show to get through here. Um, so the opening shot we get is, uh, Tyrion, you know, walking through the wreckage of King's Landing and just witnessing the destruction that Danny rained down upon it. Uh, you know, and I'm sure he feels largely responsible for that, even though obviously it was Danny's decision. He feels like, well, I could have done this. I could have done this. There's a great symbolic shot where he walks past one of the giant bells (laughs) that, that had like just fallen and crumpled, you know, under, under rubble. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. So then we see, uh, you know, John and Davos uh, and, a, and a little troop of Northmen coming up behind him, and they stumble upon Grey Worm, who's uh, just just still out in the streets committing war crimes. Uh, you know, 
because he's gotten a taste for it, I guess, apparently. Yeah, he really, um, you know, I think understandably broke bad as soon as his love of his life was murdered. But, like, he was always pretty honorable for the most part, or he seemed that way. Yeah. Very grounded in a sense of honor and duty. Now it's just like, cut me loose and let me kill motherfuckers. And he even says these are the Queen's orders. And and, and later on, you learn that, like, that may or may not have been true. <laughs> you know, like, you know, because clearly she said, kill all of my enemies. But it's like he doesn't believe in these people being allowed to surrender at this point. And Davos is yeah. like, you know, how much more beaten do you want them to be? They're on their knees. And he's like, they're still breathing. Yeah. Um, so you, you see how what she did set the bar for what all these guys are doing um, and, and just kind of, you know, to, not to go back to last episode, but I, I love that they showed like full, you know, war of attrition here that like the good, it doesn't like the line between who's the good guy and the bad guy is totally gone. Everyone is just committing war crimes at this point, except for, for John, a few of the Northmen, he stops. Um, and we get kind of like the, almost the only, the one scene of, of, possible group bloodshed or mass bloodshed here is where you know the, these two armies who were just on each other's side a minute ago are now suddenly about to kill each other and you're like this is this is this is heart of darkness all of a sudden <laughs> yeah yeah no for sure i uh you know that I, and obviously i didn't think they were going to kill him kill john in that moment but i would i i definitely felt the tension in that scene um yeah so and i'll we'll have a larger conversation about gray worm once we get to the end but um yeah, just a really interesting arc that his character took. Uh, so uh, from there, we have Tyrion uh, walking uh, away from the group and walking off alone to try to find Jamie because he knows that Jamie was going to try to get Cersei out through the tunnels under King's Landing. Uh, that's kind of his, you know, <laughs> his his secret way in and out yeah, of uh, King's Landing. And uh, I think he even told Jamie as Jamie was leaving to take her out that way. Um, so he uh goes and finds that it's you know blocked off by rubble but there's a little bit uh of of light at the top so he you know he manages to kind of climb his way in um and predictably he finds uh the second i saw that that little crack of light i was like oh he's definitely gonna find the fucking hand sticking out like you know just i got real hopeful i thought like maybe that crack of light was from like a a large opening and and actually you thought maybe jamie survived not, I, I mean, he was he was stamped pretty bad, but it could have been like, you know, Cersei out there just bereft um, and Jamie's body. And like we could have had a whole different kind of an episode. But then really quickly, it was kind of like, interesting. And, and, you know, he they walked past that giant fucking dragon skull and it wasn't like the whole place had collapsed because if it did, the whole castle would be gone. It was just a few piles of rocks. Right. They could have just yeah. hit inside the fucking giant dragon skull and would have been protected from from all the bricks falling. You know, like they, they were just like. <laughs> I like that they die together, but it was like, like, you know, a little quibble, you know, okay, they're just going to stand there. They're not going to fucking try to survive. Like she literally was saying like, I don't want my baby to die. Like, wouldn't you be looking around, you know, for any escape route? Like when you see a giant skull and be like, oh, that's a giant fucking, like, that's not going to get crushed by falling bricks. Let's climb inside that fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. I, almost I think the only, their only defense is that like it lo- it did look the way they showed it last episode, like the whole fucking roof was collapsing. So maybe it just didn't end up collapsing as bad as they thought it was going to. Yeah, I don't know. If I, if I see the roof falling down, I'm going to fucking like tornado drill that shit and like get in a doorway. <laughs> I don't care how big that doorway <laughs> right. is. I'm going to be like finding some um, kind of shelter from from falling debris. 
but uh but but so he finds the hand and that's just an incredible scene incredibly moving uh peter dinklage i, I mean if that dude doesn't win an emmy then they should just cancel that fucking award show because that <laughs> he's he did yeah. such a great job this year i mean in in a season where there were a ton of amazing acting performances i think his overall performance from you know episode one to episode six was just the best of anyone on the series like he just the, the range yeah, of his character was just incredible and he can sell lines that on paper would seem corny or you'd be like how do you deliver mm-hmm. a line and make that not sound bad and um you know just for example when uh danny says to him um you set your brother free and he doesn't go yes but or you know it's like the line is just like he just says the exact same line he just goes i set my brother free like he just repeats it verbatim <laughs> in a way that is just a, a very resigned and like yes i did indignation at the same time um yeah yeah no definitely um and uh, yeah and I, I just seeing him broken in that moment it was really heartbreaking for that character but also you can tell that that he realized how much he sacrificed that he he everyone he's ever cared about and loved and everything he's ever stood for has been just totally destroyed by Daenerys and he and he just didn't want to admit it because and he's you know he's had regrets and suspicions about her for you know two three seasons now but he's he was so pot committed like we talked about with the Varys thing where he was like fuck well I have to make this work I can't give up on this now because I've given up too much uh, and I think this was finally him realizing, like, look, it's never going to be too much. It's always every I'm just going to have to keep giving things up. She's going to keep destroying the things that I love and keep doing bad and keep doing bad things I don't agree with. And I just need to say, fuck it. So uh, that's what led him to, you know, shortly afterwards, hand right. in his king. Well, not even hand in, throw away his uh, hand of the kingpin. Oh, yeah. Just and a really did, fucking baller you know, ass move. He's way up at the top of those steps and it's still just like all the unsullied saw that shit. And they just stopped the little fucking rah rah, you know, uh, <laughs> jerk doing their shake weight with their their spears. And then it goes it like cuts in real close on their eyes. And it's like, you know, you never see their faces, but. You know they're always watching for shit. They don't talk a whole yeah. lot amongst each other, at least not when they're on duty. But yeah, they're all yeah. they're all just like, "Ooh, that's betrayal!" Like he just betrayed yeah. our our queen. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, lead right after the scene where where Tyrion's in the uh, in the crypts or you know in, in the basements, whatever you want to call it, of uh, King's Landing, we uh, get the sh- the scene where Danny is uh, walking out to address the uh, gathered troops. And you get that, you know, incredible shot where, uh, and, and it's obviously very on the nose, but it was just a great visual, uh, you know, piece of symbolism where Danny's walking and then for a minute, the wings kind of frame, you know, frame her behind oh, and she yeah. looks like the fucking angel wings of death. Of death. And- yeah, absolutely. It And, you know, I, I tweeted out a, a, you know, cause I get on Tumblr and I look for all the fucking best uh, gifts that you can't find on, on uh, Twitter ever. Uh, and even out on Tumblr after the first few minutes after the episode's over, but found a great one. Uh, I mean, there, there was one where they chopped it up in like multiple different ones. There was one that had the whole fucking sequence, you know, and I tweeted that out and I was like, uh, you know, uh, when you're trying to be subtle, but your reputation precedes you, <laughs> it's <just> like this <laughs> fucking, giant fucking wings of death. And it's, and, you know, but this so, is, this is the whole thing. Like she became the dragon. They didn't show her the whole last episode because she became the dragon, right? And mm-hmm. and they have that shot where it's literally just like perspective shot 
uh, coming up those steps. And did you notice that like the middle of the steps was like they laid down planks like a ramp? You know, like almost like yeah. they, they kind of knew Bran was coming. So they <laughs> <laughs> little little force trying to make King's Landing handicapped accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Even though that's like a it was like a forty five degree angle, and I don't think he'd be getting up that fucking thing. But not uh, uh, not eighty eight. Really got to work those arms out, Bran. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, and that actually, I don't know if you saw, but that that shot actually became a meme because somebody posted the gif of that and was like, "Hey, this look look at how incredible this shot is. They should teach this in film class." <laughs> and like a bunch, of, which it's like, all right, guy, you know, come on, it was a great shot, but also a bunch of people are like, "Oh, this fucking sucked. It was just CGI bullshit and blah blah." blah. I'm like, "Yeah, but you know, what? it is a great shot composition. I mean, don't sure, you know, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's I, like I didn't know everyone needs to fucking chill it. out. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then everyone was posting like funny like uh like Ace Ventura coming out of the rhino's ass and ace ventura too and it was like <laughs> this shot this is a beautiful oh, shot and deserves to be taught in film class deserves to be taught in film class like uh, like there's like a movement funny. in the last 24 hours there's like a movement to say like no this shot will not be taught in film school like no it deserves to like, like there's <laughs> some weird dichotomy in their brain that doesn't exist but it is funny just the 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 vitriol in the discourse about the show now is just because people are just so fucking upset about the way that the show's going and it's not to their liking that like it it really is like pile on every time there's like a a positive comment about Game of Thrones and I'm like that's just so fucking like depressing to be the person that's like I I watch Game of Thrones but I hate it and I'm gonna ruin everyone's uh Everyone who enjoyed it, I'm going to try to ruin your time with your experience yeah. with this show by Something's telling you going how on in their personal life. If that's how they want to spend their time. Like, I'm just going to watch a yeah. show to find fault in it when it's, you know, near perfect. Like, I get it. You know, nothing's perfect, but um, also just like stop watching if you don't like it. Like, I, yeah. you know, I get that you've, you know, invested time. And if the show did something, I really was like, man, that's fucking blame. Um, I would I, it would bum me out. But like you know it's just i don't know like i I watched lost and i I laughed out loud at how like full of plot holes and corny it was and 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 i was like i'm never gonna watch this show again and it was really popular at the time and imagine if i was the kind of person that was like i'm gonna watch every episode just to write down all the stupid things i don't like and then go on on fucking twitter and and just like berate the the people who like it it's like no that's you're just an asshole like that (laughs) There's no reason to do yeah. that unless you just derive pleasure from trying to make other people uncomfortable. I did. I, I will say I held on to the end of Lost. I, I might be one of the few that actually enjoyed even most of the sixth season. But, you know, I, 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 I can't defend that ending, but I did. I did hold on uh, till the end. Eh, I, but, knew, um, I knew there wasn't going to be an ending. So they planned out a show that, you know, was there was no idea where it was going to end. And. I don't know. You can do that, but it's it it never ends well. It's not. Yeah, no, it's not going to end up well. Um, and and you know, to his credit, that's what Damon Lindelof learned from making that show, which is why he said to HBO, uh, "Hey, give me like three seasons for the leftovers. I have a, a beginning, middle, and end in mind, and it's one of the greatest shows I've ever watched. I always try to tell people to watch, but it's yeah, I like started very- watching that. Actually, I don't know if I told you that, but I I started. Oh, I got about uh, maybe three episodes in, and then I got busy with something else and uh but yeah i at least started it it was um the first season's not nearly as i know a lot of people always say that about series but honestly the first season and the second season are like it takes it takes time it takes time yeah it takes time to develop and develop the characters but yeah it feels like it's it there's like a it just 
like somebody mixed up, um, you know, Marvel or uh, Avengers Endgame, and then like um, uh, Handmaiden's Tale, and it like seemed like a split mm-hmm. between those. And since I just watched those, I was kind of like, this is too much what I've already seen of lately. <laughs> so I'm gonna. But it came before either one of those. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> well, I mean, so I'll, I'll still, I'll keep watching it. I just had to, to put it yeah, down yeah. for a minute, so. Um, it's very, it's very dour. It's not a very light, light watch, but no. yeah. So, um, uh, where, where are we uh, reviewing this week? So, uh, here, yeah. So, so we get the shot where Danny uh, comes with the, uh, with Drogon's wings kind of flapping behind her. It, it's, it's kind of amazing the, the 180 shift that we have now. For well, I, that I, for me at least, when I see Drogon on the screen, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I remember we used to like in the, in the earlier seasons, be like, oh, shit, it's Drogon. Like, you, it was kind of like an awesome, you know, even even the, the the musical cues that the show would do whenever he would pop up. It's he, he takes on a much more sinister tone now that you look at him the way he has always been intended to be looked at, which is as a weapon of mass destruction. I mean, that's what George Martin's said for years. It's like you're not supposed to root for these dragons to be burning people alive. It's just like, you know, the, the, the show. It, well, you know, I mean, we talked a lot about how the show is kind of you know shown shown people kind of a mirror of like hey look this is what this dragon's been doing all along and you know you liked it because he was burning people you thought were the bad guys but realistically you shouldn't be cheering that on when it's going on with anybody because anyone can make anyone look like the bad guys if they have a compelling enough argument you know of course yeah um and well you know it's the these dragons aren't they're still animals until they're being ridden by somebody that has a telepathic, you know, apparent control sure. over them exactly, yeah. to make them because they you don't ever see them kill people for fun. They only kill small children and livestock for food. Right. They're they're mm-hmm. still uh, essentially living. Oh, yeah, they're not beings. evil beings. They're not. Right? Yeah. It's only the humans that turn them into something evil. And and you see later on is as soon as Drogon is basically a completely free agent. Um, everything else that happens, you're like, oh shit! Like this was this, this this animal should not have been subjugated because it's got it's got a mind of its own that we didn't realize. It's on a whole other fucking level. We didn't realize nearly how smart it, it of a creature it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, um, yeah. So for sure. So uh, you know, Danny comes out and addresses the masses. Uh, they they must have a hell of an acoustic setup at uh King's Landing in that outdoor area for everyone to hear what Danny was saying. Like it, it seemed they seemed a little far away to be to hear her speech with no uh oh you can project. But... I mean it, it's it, Amelia Clara clearly like she can project on her own. So you can imagine. Oh yeah, she know, she was she was loud, but doing a good job. But she it's... didn't do the she didn't do the John Snow. We've gathered here today, like that fucking really like loud, you know, right. staccato delivery. But well, it, it's not hard to be loud if you just take big fucking breaths of air. I mean, it's hard to be loud if you're short of breath. If you have a ton of fucking air in your lungs, you can get really fucking loud. The more air you're pushing through your your through vocal cords, the louder you can get. It's not hard to project, and you can also project not just through your mouth but through your chest. If you've ever taken any kind of vocal coaching. Uh, it, you can do that. You can you can sure. say something to somebody from a long ways away, and if you're looking directly at them, you can direct it at that person and like scare them from fucking fifty feet away. <laughs> you just know how to project and how to direct it in a in a in a, in a good way uh, or a bad way, actually. But uh, my my thing was like the huge like they taken one of the sails 
from the the Targaryen oh, ships that was and, it. An incredible and I was like yeah. oh man they're they're not leaving any fucking doubt they're, like they're going straight on Hitler imagery with this <laughs> shit yeah. um it's amazing was, how fascist how fascist that that's uh, that symbol and that how sigil looks like draped on that fucking like black and red you know yeah sail, like on the big yeah. fucking you know it was hard to know if they were going building. for more like you know um you know, Force Awakens or like actually like Berlin 1938 uh, there, but it still, uh, yeah, y- you got the message. They were not being subtle at all with it. I mean, it was way more. Eff- so, I mean, that that shot from the Force Awakens was certainly trying to evoke, you know, Berlin 1938. But I think Game of Thrones did it in a way more uh, effective manner to, to the point where you really got the fascist uh Oh, Inklings yeah, and, you the, know what the, I mean? like, the guy from Axe Machina, the little little uh, ginger Hitler wannabe, was not a scary villain. And in this scene, Danny was like uh, fucking terrifying. She's oh, talking God. about like, I'm going to yeah. liberate the whole world, and, and, you know, including Winterfell. And you're like, wait, what? Winterfell? You just came from there. What the Winterfell, fuck are you talking Dorn. about? Uh, so, yeah, these are all cities that are free cities. I have so many thoughts about this scene. <laughs> and um, like, what yeah. the fuck is she thinking? And of course, she's speaking Valerian, and people kind of joked about this that like Tyrion barely understands Valerian. John understands none of it. But later on, they're sort of like referencing the, the, her speech as though they knew what she was saying the whole time. Um, and you know, maybe maybe Tyrion only recognized that oh. one line because it was a reference to Winterfell. But yeah, well, so what, what I kind of theorized to you is that like when they were talking later, and what, we could talk about that scene now just because it ties in with this a little bit. Um, they. Uh, Tyrion basically was like, you know, does that sound like somebody who was done fighting? Like, I don't think either of them fully knew what she was talking about, because if they did, there'd be no question as to whether or not John was going to kill her because he, she literally explicitly threatened to uh, sack or, or to overthrow Kings uh, to overthrow Winterfell. Like he, she basically was like, yeah, we're going to go in and kill all the Starks and take Winterfell back as part of the seven kingdoms. And <sighs> yeah, I, you know what um, I mean? So I think if Tyrion really knew the full uh, breadth of what she was saying, he would have told John that, and John would be like, "All right, even fuck this. even one line of like but just the nature of her, yeah. you know, I may not have understood every word, but I definitely understood that that's not a person. The tone who's was done, crystal clear. I mean, right. like, like some recognition that they didn't actually know all the words she was saying would have been at least okay because yeah. people were, you know, another easy thing for people to mock. It's like. Yes, that is a bit of a plot hole that they seem in that in the scene where they're talking about what she just said. They seem to have understood every word, at least in their their uh, recollection. But, I, but you know what? The other reason I don't think they did, and I get, and, and I saw, I did see what you were saying. A lot of people uh, saying that about that scene. But the other reason I th- I don't think that they did understand uh, John, especially, is because they showed they show John after she mentions Winterfell, and he doesn't really like uh, register. Like I, if she, if he heard or and understood what she was saying, he would have had a fucking look like you know, like like total, total ghost shock. Died. Yeah, yeah. So I <laughs> and I, ghost I, died. Know. I got other things to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, yeah, we got justice for ghosts this episode. We'll save that yeah, for we the did. end. But uh, well, but everyone who's crying about that was her whole like <laughs> you know now I now I have all this power. I'm not going to stop here. It was something we had predicted a few episodes ago on this on this cast mm-hmm. that like she's not just going to fucking burn king's lane to the ground if she goes that way she's going to keep going because now she's got power now she's surrounded by her armies that are cheering her on she's not going to be regretful or remorseful she's not going to have a moment of like oh my god what have i done like that's not how the human brain works 
I mean, sometimes, yeah. but it, when Tyrion basically says like, yeah, you, uh, you, uh, you know, I, I, you, I freed my brother and you slaughtered a city. And she looks at him like, not just how dare you, but what do you mean? She has no idea what yeah, he's like, talking what the fuck about. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that was the, that was the really scary part for me. It was like, how was she going to rationalize it? You know, cause, cause I had to, yeah. When we see her up there on, on, you know, when those bells are ringing, she looks afraid, like she knows what she's about to do. And she, then she commits to it. It's like, she turns off that part of herself that was non-committal. Right. And now mm-hmm. she's totally bought into the idea of, of being, not mad because she, she clearly like things happened to her that, that predicated this, but um, you know, it, it's by the time she's done with it and, and every, there's like no more enemies to be seen, uh, you know, a few run around the street still, but she's going to be a different person now. And, and yeah, we still see a little glimmer of like her nice side uh, when, when things go really, really tragic. But uh yeah, the whole time she's on that stairway, I'm like, any point, any one of these people could die right now, and I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, no, a- absolutely. Um, and you know that that scene, that speech she gives is just insane. And I had to almost, I had to laugh in spite of how uh, horrific things she was saying were because she says to them at one point, like she she's like, "You are all liberators. You freed the world from a tyrant." And I'm like, I laugh because I was like, "This is what I've been fucking saying forever now." Is that she is. Uh, and and I think this is backed up by comments that George R. R. Martin's made. She really is like an avatar for American imperialism because we always try to portray ourselves as the good guys and the conquering heroes, but we never have altruistic motives in mind. We sell it that way constantly, but we're always trying to go in and invade countries and overthrow their leaders for our own selfish interests. And we, but, but there are still people who I genuinely think in this country are deluded into thinking that we are liberators and that we are doing the right thing by doing what we're doing. You don't think that Joe Biden should apologize for his Iraq war vote. Do you, (laughs) you you think Bernie should, should apologize for opposing the Iraq war? Obviously the the same way that uh, the New York times does, obviously. (laughs) And, and opposing the Contras. I mean, what a piece of shit Bernie is for opposing. He really should apologize for his uh, his his critiques of the Contras. But opposing right wing um, death squads. Who does that? A commie. I know. Um, yeah. So uh, and George R. R. Martin, for whatever his other flaws politically, has always been uh, vocally anti-war. And he's always been saying in public like, hey you're not supposed to cheer for these dragons burning cities like there are people in those cities like no whether you you know uh, think that they're good people or bad people they are still people and this is still an indiscriminate act of mass uh you know genocide or mass killing and it's like that was the story he was telling from the beginning is that her ambitions were never to liberate people it was always that that is i'm going to take what is mine through fire and blood she fucking says it right out in the open right. in season one and, and she and rationalizes she that this is like her, it's, her birthright and that she's like, been, that she's been <laughs> wronged but like every other person on the show has also been wronged and they may want some level of justice or revenge but they're never it's never from a sense of of you know like uh Arya stark is never like well my daddy was killed Therefore, you know, King's Landing actually belongs, you know, uh, you know, King Robert named him to be the new king. And now I'm supposed to be the prince. Like They never acted like that. Mm-hmm. They wanted what yeah. truly was theirs, not what was, you know, 
belong to somebody else and they didn't they you know Ari wasn't like oh I'm going to kill all the people at King's Landing because they were all uh cheering when my father was killed no it was just I I'm going to kill like the handful of people that conspired against him and lied about him I mean the masses are idiots but I'm not going to slaughter the masses that's just that's that's insane like you'd have to be insane yeah. to think that slaughtering half the city uh is somehow you know, when, when her, her conversation with Tyrion, where she's literally letting him know, like, we're going to slaughter ha- all these people in half the city so that, you know, future generations won't have to live under, under a tyrant. That's that's the sacrifice. Yeah, no, it's Thanos. It's fucking Thanos all over again. You yeah, know, it's the same. but at least Thanos killed people uh, painlessly and at random. Here, it's like, <laughs> oh, there's a bunch of you running down an alleyway. Perfect target. Yeah. No, it's worse than Thanos, actually, which is which is way worse crazy. than Thanos. Yeah. Um, um, and Thanos doesn't pretend it was somebody else that made him do it. He doesn't like, oh, it was it was this, it was that. He's like, no, it's just there's too many of us. We got to the herd. That's it. So yeah, yeah. Good guy Thanos, uh, bad guy Danny. I mean, I won't go that far, but but it, yeah, chaotic neutral Thanos, uh, bad guy Danny. Um. So yeah. So uh, Tyrion, you know, takes his pin off, throws it down. Just incredible moment for Tyrion to see him finally just say, you know, fuck this. I've had enough. Um, I, I was very ter- I was terrified that she was going to kill him right there. Like I- that she was going to have just one of the fucking unsullied lop his head off. I was like, oh, no. I was like, this is great, Tyrion. But like, dude, do this in private. Maybe she won't kill you if you do in private. <laughs> um, but he but he did that. You know, he he wanted to make it known. And I think a part of Tyrion knew that if he got himself killed or captured and you know about to be executed that was what it would take to push Jon Snow over the edge to do what everyone knew Jon needed to do except for Jon well um, he needed he needed to do something that would cause her to do it right in front of him right cuz exactly. Jon yeah. is a slow learner our stupid stupid son <laughs> we love him still uh, and in this episode even yeah very slow um yeah, and it's like you you know he did that for John for him to see like mm-hmm. hey look here's I'm exactly. gonna be I'm gonna be hauled away just for quitting my job because uh, yeah if you read the words on the page you go oh T- Tyrion calls out her genocide and then throws down his pin like that would almost seem like hack writing if you read it mm-hmm. you'd be like that's what they're gonna do with this and then the, you know of course Stinkler sells it so well that uh, it, it it is a pivotal moment because it's so they're so amped up that even the slightest bit of disloyalty is heresy at this point. This is their victory moment. And this is yeah. when he, he shits on it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but it also kind of felt like, you know, some of the things where here we all are back again, doing our same thing where Tyrion's locked up in the, in the basement for, for bullshit. Like there are so many, many, how many times of- is exactly. He's been, he's been arrested and been on trial so many fucking times. Like they had to just do it one last time. Yeah, I know. For a second there, I was like, oh, maybe John will end up uh, being his champion. Like if he gets a trial by combat, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. that would have that been, been another, like, and I'm not one to say like, oh, I didn't like the way it ended. But if you wanted to do an alternate thing, like maybe John defends Tyrion against Grey Worm in a trial by combat. That would have been an interesting oh, wrinkle. Yeah, to this well, if they did a 10 season episode and they could draw it out for three episodes, which sure. I'm sure is what people want. You know, but they have this amazing conversation in the basement. Again, a scene seemingly designed Peak Game of Thrones to tell the audience, like, look, all that shit you didn't understand about the last episode. Here's why it happened. And here's why you're kind of foolish for not seeing it coming. 
and he, he just lays it all out. Uh, you know, like we rooted for her every time she, she did this against somebody that we deemed was evil. Right. But mm-hmm. now, now it's different. Now she's doing it against <laughs> masses of, of innocence. And he says like, you know, Oh, your, your, your father and sister killed innocent people. And he's like, if you took all the people they killed in their whole lives, it wouldn't even be half of the people that she just killed in one day, you know? And he's right. He's right. Like yeah. these, these yes. people weren't mass murderers of civilians. They were, you know, tacticians. They, there was a, a, a lawful evil to, to Tywin Lannister. Right. Yeah. And they were evil. So that's, it's like if, if Danny killed so many more people than any of them killed, what does that make her? I mean, that makes her a fucking monster. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, and, I, I just love that scene because it, it was just peak old school Game of Thrones. Just two people in a room fucking talking about uh, and scheming about, you know, the future and, and, and what's happened, what is going to happen. Um, and, and that's I think that's what the show does best. But we still and again, I, this was frustrating, but not because it was bad writing. It was just frustrating for me as a fan of the character, because I because I know this is true to his fucking nature, is that John, fucking stupid noble John, still is like, oh yeah, but she's my queen. I can't, I can't just kill her. Like what? It, like it's like, god damn it, man. Like you, like you, you know what she fucking is. Like you saw it with your own eyes. Like what do you need to see? But but again, it was true to his character. But it's just typical John that he's just like he can't bring himself to do what he thinks is it thinks is the ignoble right. thing well and turn against the person he's devoted himself to and pledged himself to people complain the season was too fast and there wasn't enough you know they didn't they didn't have enough character development you know and they didn't drag it out long enough and it's like this is not season three you know like the things are moving much mm-hmm. faster because they don't need the filler because they understand or at least they would like to understand the showrunners that the audience has developed along with the characters to understand shit that doesn't have to be completely laid out through more expository dialogue. And John gets to that door and he said, says, you know, it's, it's not up to me. And he's like, it's, you know, Tyrion's like, it's, you're the only person it's up to. You're the <laughs> only like, person the that can make know? this yeah, of course choice. It's up to you. And you have to make this choice right now. And it's like, it's not just that he has to make the choice right now. If he's going to do what, what, Tyr- what Tyrion wants, he has to go do it right now. And, yeah. and, and that, and then it's, it's like, no, you've got to decide to do this right now because once they get in here, you'll never have another chance to do this because you're going to get expelled pretty soon too, because she knows you, that, you know, you're still a threat. You might dither the other way and say, you know, decide now you do want to sit on the iron throne. Um, yeah. and man, that if, the, yeah. the shot when he's walking across the, the, the ground red keep and you see oh, that incredible. huge pile of ash start to move <laughs> and it looks like the ground's giving way and they realize that that's Drogon underneath just like a pile of ash like he's exhausted and he's been there for a couple hours <laughs> yeah and you have he that was sweet moment. in that moment even <laughs> oh yeah where you're like you don't know where drogon's head's at because you know he doesn't really doesn't emote facially that well and if it is it looks like the you know it's face like, of hell. i'm gonna fucking rip your fucking face but john off, walks yeah. right up and we know the dragons are telepathic especially with with targaryens and he doesn't just look at him like oh who are you like they're not they're not you know, they don't have poor eyesight that I could tell, but he's kind of like sniffing him out. Like, what's your intention? He's reading him. Right. Yeah. And, and on some level, once we see in the next scene, what happens, you almost kind of wonder, is this kind of like Drogon sort of letting him come in? You know, oh, you know? so he certainly seemed like he was standing guard over Daenerys because nobody else was there. And, and 
it stands to reason that if like Arya had come up, she might've gotten roasted, you know, like, I don't think Drogon would have let Arya pass by like, you, you know, it, it's an interest. It, it certainly seems like they wouldn't just leave Daenerys unguarded. So I think Drogon was there to kind of stand watch and he, you know, knows John and he thinks John as smart of a creature as he is. And he shows us that he is later. He still can't read these subtle nuances of like, Hey, maybe John's going to come here and kill Daenerys. Like, you know, he's still, I don't thinks, know. Well, maybe he can. And he mom likes, kind of mom okay likes this it. guy. Maybe he was, uh, he was like, Hey mom, just use me as a weapon of mass destruction to kill all these people that had, uh, had, you know, didn't deserve to die. I'm not okay with that. Like she's too far gone. And what we see in the next mm. scene kind of reads that way to me. That, that, you know, Maybe. these intelligent animals are kind of like, you know what? I, I love mom, but uh, mom's mom's fucking crazy now. Like she's <laughs> not who she used to be. And if anyone's going to do this, it needs to be you. So before we get to the next scene, which is the pivotal scene of this episode, maybe of the series, um, when he's walking, the the ash that's falling, obviously, is it, it looks like winter. It looks like, you know, just like blanketing snow. and I think. I, I just want to talk briefly about prophecies and all this shit on the show that people are complaining about not being fulfilled because what is a prophecy at the end of the day? It's something that a man or a woman on the, in, in the course of this series saw a vision of like, just what, like we saw the hound having his vision, you know, in the fire of the mountains and of the night and things like that. That's all these prophecies are. So these people don't have deep understandings of what they're seeing necessarily. It's very possible that, you know, all these prophecies about how, you know, Zora High is going to be brought back to fight the coming darkness and, you know, the the, the winter that's coming is going to like it, everyone's like, oh, obviously, that's the Night King. And that's why John is to vanquish the Night King. But everyone's all pissy that Arya did it. But I mean, it's also very possible that they saw the darkness in a broad general sense. And then it, it was referring to Danny the whole time, because we still don't know why. John kept getting brought back by the Lord of Light because he hasn't done anything to in, he didn't do anything super important during the Battle of Winterfell to justify the Lord of Light bringing him back to life. So it is very possible Maybe and Lord of Light actually likely just bring people back to fulfill some prophecy. Maybe Lord of Light's just like, hey, you're a good guy. You come back here. <laughs> I like this guy. But but you know what I'm saying? Like, I, it is possible that the Lord of Light brought him back because the, the coming darkness was actually Daenerys slaughtering millions of people well, in her quest to rule the realms. Sure. And it was we like, had, we have to balance this out. Going back to what Beric said, you know, the death is the first and the last enemy. I mean, we'll always win, but we still have to fight it. We have to, you know, protect the innocent. Uh, and that maybe that's all there is we need to understand. We have two massive battles in this one very short season where that's all it is, is just mass death. Every other battle, it was like two armies fighting. Uh, you know, the, there was, there was, you know, not many civilians involved. Uh, you could argue with Hard Home, it was a bunch of wildlings who, you know, many of them were civilians, but still, it, you don't you don't see a lot of the carnage. It was kind of like, oh, here sure. comes the cloud, and you, you, it's behind a wall. It's, you don't really see it. In here, it's just massacre, right? There's never a more visceral representation of fighting the enemy of death and losing than than this season, right? So I feel like you know, playing that clip, that audio clip of of Beric was really it's it sets the tone this is that was at the end of season seven it sets the tone for the season so well um and i think this is the best season hands down people like this season sucks it's like you you haven't been paying attention sorry um it's not that it has to be just a complete 
utter and bleak, miserable shitstorm. Because obviously, the, the last half of this episode, there's a lot of great things that happen. But this is this is this is the culmination. This is what we get. This isn't having a long conversation about the outcome of everything. This is people just you know them so well that their reaction to a thing tells you everything you need to know. If you can show it without saying it, that is what cinema is for. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And that's you know, the number one rule they teach you in, in screenwriting classes, show, don't tell. So, um, but I, but I just think it's interesting that pe- like people take these prophecies so literally in it and they get so mad when they don't get fulfilled. It's also like, number one, I mean, I don't know how about you, but that to me is not super interesting storytelling that everything that happens is predetermined and has to follow these laid out prophecies. It's nice when there's uh, threads throughout the show that get paid off, but I don't need this series. And to they be warn you to predictable the fucking scene where they're talking about the prince who was promised and whether it was a boy or a girl or whether it's gender neutral. Uh, and Mila, you know, they're like, well, what does this prophecy mean? And Melisandre is like, uh, yeah, this is right after she fucking torched a kid and then realized she was wrong. Uh, <laughs> she says, you know, prophecy, yeah, prophecies can be dangerous things. I don't want to oversell you on this. It's just like, oh, yeah. Well, you, you think you I'm not I'm not quite so okay? sure <laughs> that burning children is the right idea. But that's yeah. the same scene where she says, you know, I know that the, you know, as one of these red priestesses, she knows that, that Danny is part of this prophecy. And then she also says, I'm pretty sure Jon Snow is part of it. And they're like, who? Because at this point, you know, half the people in that room have never even heard of Jon Snow or, or haven't met him at that point. And it's that moment where Melisandre says, you know, you need to bring Jon Snow here because you need to know what he knows about this army of the dead. It's literally like their only reason Danny and Jon even meet each other in this whole fucking show is because of Melisandre, who's, you know, yeah. basically the admitter that prophecies can be total bullshit. Yeah. And that she's misread prophecies before, for, you know, certainly she, she, uh, you know, backed Stannis when he wasn't the, the prince that was promised. There were, she, she, she ended up, you know, doing the right thing in the end. And, but she certainly misread prophecy, uh, plenty on the show. But, um, so I just think that that's interesting given the imagery we see in this episode because it really does end up, you know, much like the, we saw with with Jamie, you know, having his hands around Cersei's neck as the the roof collapsed, it's like this imagery was there, but it's not what people thought it was. So, I mean, it, uh, we could be just, you know, people have this plain reading of these these visions they get, and it's maybe, you know, not quite accurate interpretation. Um, well, what, but, what's accurate? I mean, it's a prophecy from from thirty years ago by some random yeah. women woman living in a fucking swamp, like you know. And these people get all hung up on it, and it's it's like again, that's they what want, I'm saying. It's like you know, they they want the 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 car chase ending of seven instead of the head in the box ending. Like they don't want nuance. They don't want things open to interpretation. They just want their fanfic. And if it's not that way, it's like I didn't get what I wanted. I watched this show and this show owes me now for not having my favorite character get the thing. It's like if this at this point, if every character on the show isn't your favorite character, there's something broken inside you. Yeah. Like you should there should be something about every character that speaks to your humanity uh, on some level. And, you know, the other thing is like a lot of like even on that that crappy TYT review of, of this episode, one of the uh, Ida was like. Oh well, this is you know this this was such a betrayal of Danny's character because she was a such an icon for women who watched the show, and I'm like, you know what though, it, 
it's not the show's responsibility to make every single female character somebody who is noble and good and somebody that everyone can look up to. It's not the show's fault that you took this super prone to violence entitled uh, monarch as as this like kind of fan avatar from the beginning. It, it was like she became this kind of comic con icon and it's like it's not the show's fault that they were telling you from the beginning who she was like it's she well the, the real person you should have been idolizing was fucking aria aria's had the most satisfying and uh interesting journey from season one till now sure and she she uh, still you know was savage little killer so there you know that there's different differing degrees there's if, if you can have it but it was one- never cruel you know there, she you had you a have one show like, where some people fucking love Sansa and hate Danny, and some people hate Danny and love Sansa, or hate them both or love them both. You've done your job as a good writer, making them complex yeah. enough that people will see different things that other people won't, based on their own biases and based on their own hopes and dreams and experiences. That's what good fucking writing is. If everyone equally agrees, yeah, that guy's the bad guy, fuck him, then you haven't written an interesting character. Uh, you, you've written a cardboard cutout. So to, to the people that say, who's bad writing? It's like, no, you're just, your brain is bad. You've read, you, you've, you haven't enriched your, your neurons enough to know what's good or bad. Your brain is bad and you should feel bad. And yeah, so, uh, we should talk about the scene because it's obviously the most important thing that's happened on the show, arguably ever. Um, John walks into the uh, destroyed throne room, the destroyed red keep. Uh, the ceiling is ripped open, uh, like we saw in Danny's vision. There's actually a lot of shot by shot remakes of that vision. Uh, obviously, she's wearing different clothes, but other than that, it's it's identical. Um, and uh, in the dream or in the vision in the House of the Undying, she's not able to actually touch the throne. Like she gets pulled out of it right before she's able to. But uh, in this in 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 reality uh she does manage to touch you know the the one of the uh the armrests which is made out of uh the end of a, one of the swords um and then you know john walks in the room and she it, it, she has a, the, her tone initially is is almost like old danny and i think that's it really throws you for a loop at first because she really is like you know when i when i was a, a young girl my father told me that the throne iron throne was built out of a thousand swords i imagine like a you know a chair so high you couldn't climb on it, which was kind of a like a total throwback to the books because the, the, the throne book, of the yeah. books was actually like 30 feet tall and they were like well there's no way we can actually build this thing that big here so yeah. um little little well, that was a nice little the, the legend little nod um and there's a really cool concept art of that but um so uh and john says to her like like what are you talking about you just killed a bunch of fucking civilians like what are you what are you doing like yeah, he, he he takes um, her right out of that that idyllic vision that she had in her head all this time which is yeah very much not the john we just saw talking to Tyrion. so he's had time to process to walk over quickly. it was a it was a um, yeah <laughs> but he's still I trying to look what? for like the old day he's still trying to find her so, and, and he, appeal to her better yeah. her better uh angles yeah he is absolutely not at all convinced that he's going to kill her i think when he walks in that door he's trying to find every excuse he can to say that there's still 
some shred of the Danny that I thought was in there in there. And he's like, look, you could just you can you can you can give them a chance to 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 see they were wrong and apologize, please. You must forgive them and all these things. And she's just, you know, intractable. And she's like, no, I no, I, I'm not going to forgive them. I, I, we, I can't. Uh, those people needed to die. Those troops needed to die. They're my enemies. Uh, and, and it was just like, he was trying so hard. He's like, please just give me some fucking, like he may, he might as well said like, look, I'm here to kill you. I really would love for you to just like show me some shred of humanity. Somebody covered up all the scenes where somebody like said, please. And then like got no please back, you know, like they, they (laughs) like literally the only time somebody pleaded for something and got it was the guy um, like the former slaver she married for like two minutes before he got killed. <laughs> you remember that guy? Was um, that the guy she locked in the tomb? Yeah, for like, no, 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 not the guy that she locked in there to die, but the guy in Marine who got her to bring back the fighting pits, but have it only be free men. She locked him up oh, yeah, temporarily. Yeah. And, uh, is that the he, one she burned? No, no, that's the one she threatened to burn. But then ultimately he was the one who was trying to like teach her how to be like the, the queen of the fighting pits and like, Oh, now you have to clap and now you have to, you know, do that. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. That was the guy that Dario, uh, Dario said, you know, when he realized that uh, Jora was out there oh, proud yeah. um, and she it's was like shot. very focused on Jora and he's like, this is part of the thing. And he's like, stop talking. Because <laughs> <laughs> Dario and Jora had history and he knew that like, there was nothing he was going to say this, this fucking temporary, you know, fling that, and then he got a sword in the throat or a spear in the throat like two minutes later. So yeah, yeah, he was yeah, out of there. But he was the only guy that pleaded for his life with Danny or really anybody else in the whole show who got to actually live for a few more minutes. From that fucking IMF, you know, army of uh, of uh, Marine, like all the rich fucks who were like, you know, hired a bunch of people to go kill all the. Uh, right. Well, he was, he was the one that was trying to warn her that like his own people were going to, you know, put on uh-huh. those, those golden bull masks and come after. And he's like, look, if you don't at least give this fighting pits back, it's going to go bad. And it's still ended up going bad anyway. But yeah. Uh, but so, yeah. So but John pleading, please. And you're just like, nah, she's not going to go for this. Yeah. So and I, and I think the moment that really seals it for him is, is, you know, he's like, you know, who, who's going to decide what's good? And she's like, I, we're, I you know, I, I'll decide what's good. We'll decide what's good. And he's like, I don't know what's good. And she's like, well, I do. Um, which is yeah. a great just which, dichotomy of their characters. <laughs> you know exactly what Tyrion just said to him, you know, and, and that's the catalyst in his brain where he's like, you, you did get a chance to choose and you chose unwisely, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And and John even asked her like, what about other people? And she was like, well, they don't get to decide. Like, and it and it's not even like an angry. It, I think the matter of fact nature of the way she said it and the coldness and like like well, obviously they don't get to decide. The way she said it really sealed it for him. I, I think that was really was like, look, she's beyond help. I can't. I have to save. I have to kill her. I have to save everyone. Yeah. Well, in in, in, in foreshadows the 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 council at the end, and and Samwell being like, "Hey, what about democracy?" And they're like, ha, ha, "Yeah, right." Like John's kind of, you know, he's queuing it up. He's queuing up the idea for the audience that this is not breaking the wheel at all. You know, because mm-hmm. the the the, <laughs> the tyranny of the monarchy is still here. It's just you've replaced one tyrant yeah. with another. Um. But of course, you know, the direct, right his direct line of thinking is probably, he's probably thinking of Sansa right then. Like, what, what about other kingdoms, <laughs> you know, who, who aren't going to bend the knee? Yeah. And, um, you know, and then she says to him really delusionally, you know, like, well, look, we'll break the wheel together. And, it, and it's really a culmination of everything we've been saying on this podcast where it's like she never, 
wanted to break the wheel the way that we thought she wanted to break the wheel. She never wanted to bring democracy to the people. She wanted to kill all of her enemies. And that's what she's always meant. And we just read it the way we wanted to read it because we wanted her to be a hero. Right. When we wanted her to have wanted to see when Jorah tells her, you know, Khaleesi, you have a pure heart. You have such a warm heart. It's like that's the that's the fucking Danny that so many people wanted to see because Jorah was Uh fucking love blind. Right. And that's, again, good writing where different characters in a show react to one person's actions very differently. The way that you would in real fucking life, the way that not everyone is horrified by what she did. Some people felt empowered by what she did. Other people are like, I don't know. It's a little fucking too much like her father and her brother. Uh, (laughs) And and yeah, I mean, whenever she has a temper tantrum, she just turned into her fucking brother who oh, yeah. I think universally people thought was a piece of shit and were glad when he died. Um, so, yeah. so, uh, and then we get that last line from John where he says, you know, you are, you are, and always will be my queen. Uh, and he kisses her and stabs her in the heart. And it's, it's just this incredibly gut wrenching moment, despite all that she's done. Cause they still did so much to show glimpses of the fact that she is, a nuanced person that she did have some sweetness in her, even though she was just so delusional and so, so poisoned by her ambition that she turned into what, what she turned into. But right. there was still that trace of like the Danny that everyone sure. came to love. And, and, and this, exactly. And the scary part was, was that she didn't horrible. realize she didn't realize what she'd done wrong. She had rationalized. This was Cersei's fault. Those people died by fire because of Cersei. Still. Yeah. And she's just like, everything will be fine. We did it. We won. This is perfect. This is this is utopia. This is heaven now. Uh, and when she looks down and realizes she's like, she didn't understand. She doesn't understand what she did wrong. You know, that, that this guy that she clearly still loves just literally stabbed her in the heart. And he, and he kind of lied to do, and not that he lied about her always being his queen, but he lied about the, you know, his approach to her. And I think that that's the ultimate evolution of John. And this is why what I was talking to you about off air about Ned. The thing I think he learned from Ned and why we always say like he is Ned Stark's son at the end of the day. And he was always, you know, thick headed like his like his father or, you know, uncle um, is that he learned that, you know, Ned would always say to him, like, you have to be honorable. You have to be honorable. But he and he always took that to mean you can never lie. You can never go back on your word. You can never do anything. But it was always really what Ned was saying was you need to do the right thing to help the most people. And Ned, his whole life lied to him about his parentage for his own protection, for the good of his, for the good of John and for the good of everyone else to not start off another war of succession and have John killed off or have John shipped away or whatever. Right. And I think in that moment, John's like, Oh my God, I, the only way I'm going to get in close enough to do this. And the only way I'm going to get her to, the only way I'm going to be able to do this is if I, you know, I, I convince her that I want to be with her and that I want to, that I, that I'm going to stand by her side. Uh, and he gets in close and he literally stabs her in the fucking heart. And it, it's just so beautiful and like tragic and poetic the way I, I just love that, that. Right. Well, it was, the, again, was the, going know, back to Tyrion saying, you have to choose now. It's almost like he's telling the, sh- the, the people watching the show that complained it's moving too fast. Like, we can't drag this out for three episodes for one. We don't have the budget. And for two, like eventually gray worm is going to get into to Danny's ear and say, don't trust him. Don't trust him. You need to yeah. fucking get, take, get rid of Jon Snow. Cause I know where his, his loyalties really lie. 
Uh, and, and he's right. Like, this is the only, you got to get to her when she still loves you before she has you, you know, your head chopped off here. Cause eventually that's, that's the way this is going to roll. Um, and I think, you know, it's deep down. That's the only way he can get close enough to do it when no one else is around <clears throat> is to, to, to get her, get close to her, uh, you know, kiss her if he has to. Yeah. When no one else is around, cause she's going to have her guard up every other time her guards are in that room. Uh, the only time she really lets her guard down is when it's just him. So, uh, yeah. you feel terrible for her. You feel pity for her. Uh, you, you hate the things she's done, but you still feel pity that this is, of course. You know, you're supposed to feel pity in a tragedy. That's that is again good writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it was just an incredible scene. I really, you know, it, it was an incredibly emotional scene. Like I said, even for all that Danny's done, it's like the, it's the tragedy of her character, her tragic flaw. Uh, and and she, you know, maybe deep down was a good person, but that tragic flaw was the thing that that you know corrupted her. And it's like in that moment, John, it's just, you feel so horrible for John too, who had to kill the woman he fucking loved, uh, again, had to hold the woman he loved, you know, dying in his arms. I mean, it just, in a, in a very intentional echo of the scene where he's holding you greet in a very similar, you know, uh, manner. And it's just like, he can't blame Ollie this time though. No, no, not Ollie's fault this time, but, um, yeah. And it's also difficult because we've seen other characters we thought were irredeemable, gradually redeem themselves and you and i'm sure some people thought well this is bullshit we need two more seasons for danny to get redeemed and not be just killed off and then that's the end of it and but like nothing she could have done nothing no nothing anyone on this show did was as bad as what danny did in in the bells i i don't think i mean no but i i still don't think anyone's beyond redemption uh i don't think she was beyond redemption she uh, you know, if she still had Jora, who reminded her that she had a kind heart sometimes, <laughs> uh, sure. if she still had Misande uh, there as a best friend, um, who clearly wasn't the only one braiding her hair, because if you saw her at the fucking finale, that shit was like eight layers of fucking braids going on. So uh, clearly not so much. Grey Worm do it. <laughs> yeah. Grey Worm. Queen, I could be doing more important things uh, right now. Yeah. I only Stop. have I only have one fear, actually, too, of not being able to braid your hair properly. So let me try. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't want the camera. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, and again, it's he still doesn't know if he did the right thing because he did it. He did it very. Oh, he still he, feels he's not so impulsive. Completely. He's not an impulsive guy. And again, it's like what was was her whole war rally speech on those steps just a victory cry? And maybe after a little bit of time, she would have fucking chilled the fuck out. Now that she got what she wanted. I mean, maybe now that she's got the real throne, that like the, the there's I mean, no, I, there's I no think, better throne. Um, but I think Tyrion picked up enough of what she was saying to know that she would never rest until that she conquered everyone and everyone on the fucking yeah. planet or planetos or whatever it is be, uh, bent the knee to her. And, and it wasn't just about sitting. You know, what if she has another temper tantrum and, and scorches the city all over again? You know, she's still yeah. got the dragon. Those those people are still have to live under her, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like the, the fatality of the show. It's like, well, why can't someone just uh, step down and then go out to exile? It's like, because you'll never, you'll still always be there in their mind. They have to erase your life. They have to erase you from history. There's no demotion in this show. And and when there is, the few, the rare times, like the guy from uh, the, one of the, the, the former uh, head of the Night's Guard who gets demoted when Joffrey gets elected or gets uh, crowned, who then goes and joins Danny. He's fucking pissed. He's ready to kill people 
because he got demoted. And you're like, yeah, no one ever, no one ever gets demoted on the show. They, they, they get killed. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the only other, the only type of exile they have on the show is, is, is the uh, Night's Watch, which, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about later, but that's, you know, the, the, the closest thing they have to a, to a prison system in, in this, in this universe, other than what the, uh, the, the faith militant had, you know, for Cersei is, is basically this, uh, yeah, like actually uh, a fairly progressive, uh, system of, 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 uh, uh incarceration. I yeah. mean, not, not in that it's like for life, but still it's like better than the shit. We I'd rather be in the fucking, uh, night's watch than in like the U S prison system. I mean, at least you get to fucking walk oh, around yeah. freely and like, yeah, well, I mean, the, the solitary confinement we see in the the high sept is like what a few weeks, a couple months. Um, we do yeah, that shit to people for twenty five years in a row in in our country yeah. in modern times. Like not even the fucking dark ages, and we do that shit now. So, <laughs> uh, um, I, I think a lot of prisoners would re- have, like to have a walk of shame where the worst thing that happened to them was somebody threw feces on them, rather than spend fucking years in the U.S. prison system. So, yeah, yeah. So. Uh you know that 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 scene was tragic uh and and i think seconds after he stabbed her i was like all right well jorgon's definitely <laughs> definitely not going to be happy you know he sensed that that happened and you hear him flapping his wings in the background mm-hmm. and it's like all right well uh <laughs> it's nice knowing you john but uh and you know, jorgon lands in the stupid son <laughs> <laughs> and trogon lands in the thing it lands in the in the keep and uh it looks down it's furious and you know rears up to uh breathe fire and i think john in that moment was like you know what that's that's fine it i wasn't did what mad i do first there was a little bit of like like fucking lion king like hey mom are you okay like nudge oh nudges yeah, well, that was, three that times. was heartbreaking that was and really each time nudges nudges her that. body like even more almost flips her over and you're just like oh my god fucking giant adorable murder lizard <laughs> just a little just a big baby but it really shows you that he like you were saying it's not in his nature to be vicious and cruel it's just that she the way that she used him at well while she was riding him but it's like he is still just an animal it's like he he you know and, and he and he did feel this it never know, harmed anyone unintentionally either you remember when the the scene where the the slavers come back to marine with their ships and they're uh throw you know like launching cat like flaming catapults at the tower and laying mm-hmm. you know waste to the city and they're all like oh we're here to discuss your terms of surrender they're up on this whole mountaintop and she flies in and Drogon flies up on top of this thing and then like superhero landing jumps and just doesn't even fly, just jumps and fucking drops straight down. Yeah. And there's like people all around him and like didn't even bump anybody. That's how careful this dragon is not to hurt anyone unintentionally unless it's like fucking with him or uh, is hungry. It, it's it's you know it's actually really a lot like a big pit bull like you know people train them to like be vicious like killers but it's like their nature is is very gentle and it's like they're only they only do the things that you know they're they're taught to do or they're they're forced to do like they're not by right. nature of violent and like, they're only you know, vengeful yeah yeah and you they're only really vicious out of loyalty to the person who they are feel like they have to protect bonded right with, yeah exactly very mm-hmm. much like those dragons are yeah yeah people are dicks to pitbulls i fucking love pitbulls they get such a horrible bad rap <laughs> i just i just want to bring that up because i i, I think they're incredibly 
uh, gentle uh, dogs. Oh, I had a pit bull almost attack me one time in the street. I was riding my bike down the street. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's just some dogs, they see you on a bike and they just want to fucking chase you. Like, I don't know what it sure. is, right? Or they see you moving in a way where they don't think you're a car. They just see a, a person moving really quick and they think it's a threat. They feel they like want to chase. Yeah. And I, you know, the, the, its owner was in his yard working and the dog was unleashed in the yard and the thing just went, oh, and just went into a fucking run straight <laughs> at me. And I, there's not going to be time for me to turn around and go the other way. And if I had kept going straight, it would have, you know, we would have inter- intercepted and he, you know, if I got past him, he would have turned around and come after me. And against all my better instincts, I just came to a dead stop and hopped down off the bike and put my hand out. And the dog was still running at me, just like, you know, ears back, lips snarling. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm about to lose my fucking hand. It's coming at me. <laughs> and the guy, this all happened so quick. The, the guy whose dog was like, he didn't even have time to turn around and start shouting at the dog. And but once I came to a stop, put my hand out, that dog just suddenly stopped and it's hold meter changed. And then it just like walked up and like looked at my hand. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like I had to, I had to like put myself in more danger to get this dog to, to calm down and all. Yeah. But the, that's the thing is they're stupid. They're not, they're not vicious or, or, or mean or anything like that. They're just stupid creatures. And if you show them that you're not a threat, you have to, you know, you approach them with your your palms facing up. So they don't, it's the worst thing you could do is go in with your hands, like in a, like, like a petting kind of motion towards a, towards like a big dog's head. Because sure. they they perceive that as a threat. If you come in with your hand, like underhand, they they think that you're it's it's a welcoming gesture to them. So like they're they're good they're good dogs. You know. So welcome they, to they our pet pets. care podcast, <laughs> sponsored well, by. We'll, pet we'll talk. Yeah, right. We'll talk more about that later when we talk about John. But uh, th- th- that's all they really want is pets. They don't they don't want to be vicious. They're just you know stupid animals. Um, but. Uh, so Drogon, you know, we think he's about to rear up and uh, burn John, and he ends up, uh, you know, once he realizes that Daenerys is dead, he 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 rears up to to blast his fire, but he actually blasts the Iron Throne, and it's uh, well, it was weird because the first one just seemed like rage, and it doesn't really hit the throne; it kind of just like hits the wall and kind of just like the wall goes around it, yeah. it, yeah, and it doesn't really hit the throne at all. And it's almost like like Drogon's not really thinking about the throne until he's bl- looking right at it and blasting fire, and then kind of goes like, "Oh yeah, that's the fucking that's the reason for all this bullshit." And it's so intentional. After that, that first blast, like the next two three blasts, uh, continued that were like, "Oh my god, the the fucking animal understands the politics of this world." <laughs> i know and it was incredible it was an, it was it was kind of an incredible reveal uh of that of, of the intelligence of, of dragons like in that scene well, and it was like uh, yeah and not just intelligence but like we know they're telepathic with the, the targaryens or at least there's a telepathic link right where they can be controlled or they know when their their owner master is in trouble but this goes well beyond that this is like they they can sense things that are of a cultural nature about the world of humans in which they live. Um, they, you know, uh, that that that's something they've never shown on the show before. And I had so many fucking questions, as I'm sure everyone did. Uh, one yeah, one person posted the that there was link. a it wasn't it was a tweet from a screenshot of a larger article, and I, there was no author attributed. And it was like either basically it said yeah, either the Drogon's the oh, smartest sorry. dragon ever, smartest living being that's not a human ever, that it understands the the 
you know, the political ramifications of what the throne was, and that it was really the throne that got Danny killed, not Jon Snow. Or it's the dumbest dragon in the world, and it literally saw the knife sticking out of Danny and was like, the knife came from the knife chair. I will kill you, knife chair. You are dead now. I have avenged you, mother. Like, that was the alternate. I killed the stabby chair. Yeah. Killed the stabby chair. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But so that, and, and that was just an incredible visual, Drogon burning this this symbol for this entire series, this thing that everyone uh, was fighting over. So many millions of people have been killed in the name of sitting on this stupid fucking uncomfortable looking chair and drogon's just like fuck your chair like i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna burn it i'm gonna melt it down to its foundations and now nobody sits on the fucking chair hope you're happy like you know and yeah i didn't see it as is some people saw it as like yeah well if mom can't sit here nobody can no i I think think it was was more like maybe not understanding the whole political implication but just understanding that you know this is why she died yeah like let's say she he drogon just has a psychic link with his mother right and knows that she's become more and more uh, psychologically agitated and and preoccupied by this object, and that alone is what the dragon understands that that's not healthy for her. Doesn't understand the whole political war ramification. Doesn't care, but just knows like the chair is not healthy for mom. That got her killed. I'm actually going to pick up her corpse and fucking book it across the narrow sea back to Volantis, where there's a shitload of red priestesses that can bring her back to life. And now the red th- uh, the, the the fucking game, the throne will be gone, so mom will never want to come back here again. Like maybe that's all the dragon really was doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know that that was an incredible visual uh, just to see him melt down the throne, uh, and then he picks up uh, Daenerys in his in his kind of foot claw talon and um, flies off with her. You Very know, delicately never too. To be. Yeah, you, you yeah no, it was, it was kind of incredible. That he didn't stab her. Yeah, <laughs> like. Well, she's also got the fucking knife in her chest still. And, and, you know, Dragon probably doesn't have enough dexterity to, like, you know, pull the knife out. So he's got to, <laughs> he's got to, like, keep his, you know, cook her from under her back. As oh, my God. That would have been incredible if you, if you saw his, like, fucking claws, like a pincer trying to, like, take He'd, he'd probably fucking... do it with his teeth. He'd probably do it with his teeth, you know? I mean, he can't kind of probably see his own teeth with his eyes on the sides of his head. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you, it, he didn't waste any time. Like, he was flying directly across the narrow sea. And we know that for a whole season, he was off exploring Essos on his own. Uh, you know, we saw him flying over the ruins of Valeria when uh, Jorah and Tyrion were doing their little adventure and got, uh, you know, uh, wrestling with the stone men. And we could, you, we <laughs> can imagine that, you know, if, if uh, Drogon can fly from Dragonstone past the wall in a matter of, like, you know, less than a day then you could cover thousands of miles in the course of, you know, say weeks or months on your own. So I feel like Jorgon's probably explored a lot of, of, of Essos on his own. And if he's taken mom's body back and like is making a beeline for somewhere, like the dragon is going somewhere on a mission with her body. Right. And a lot of people yeah. have speculated that might be, you know, that might be the city of, of, uh, what is it? What is it? Volteria? Volantis. There we go. Volantis. Too many fucking words. Uh, I'm to the point in the show where I'm starting to mix my uh, so, words, but. Yeah, well, he certainly looked like he was, he, he was probably heading off for Essos, whether it's simply to go to Valeria to like, you know, lay Danny to rest in her ancestral kind of, kind of birthplace or the ancestral birthplace of the Targaryens yeah. or, 
um if he if he was taking her to Volantis or another uh city in Essos where the yeah. where the red priest it is, could just be a uh, nested instinct and nothing else but yeah. it's it's fun That's, to speculate yeah. and think that you know maybe Danny's not really dead and you know maybe she gets revived and and you know she's a humbler Danny that lives out the rest of her life happy somewhere you know yeah I don't know if that's narrative. I mean, it would be, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I wouldn't. I don't know if that would be narratively satisfying. Doesn't have to be canon. Yeah, character. it doesn't have to be canon. We never have to see it, but it, it just they give us enough of a visual where yeah. we don't and feel it's like it's completely final. You know that we can imagine there's this this other world where the the tragedy is undone at least a little bit. You know, she gets the mm-hmm. she gets the the fucking you know end of Last Jedi, Anakin, you know, afterlife. Yeah. And that was actually a, 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 a um, you mean Return of the Jedi? Uh, what did I say? Last Jedi. Whatever. Last Jedi. <laughs> fucking well, Return of the Jedi. Reminds, I don't know. That actually reminds me, though, of uh, I wanted to mention a, a kind of a, a, something that reminded me of the Last Jedi in that scene where Daenerys is um, trying to convince John that they could rule together and that they can um, that everything is going to be all right, and and it's like John. I think goes there to try to find the humanity in her. And, and he ends up finding that it's not that she's, she's realized what she's done is wrong. It's that she still thinks it's right, but she just wants him to be by her side. And it really felt like that moment in the last Jedi, where we, we seemingly get a Kylo Ren uh, face turn where it's like, he, he helps Ray and he kills off all the, uh, the Imperial guard, um, or whatever the fuck they're called in in the new Star Wars and the red guys uh, who yeah the, yeah the red red fucks um and a great <laughs> which you know and 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 it, that's a great that's maybe one of the one of the best scenes in that movie and then and then afterwards it's like wow is it because he loves her are they gonna is he, is he realizing that he it doesn't have to be you know his life doesn't have to be full of hate and full of rage and he doesn't need to just constantly mm. seek to conquer he can live happy and then you realize no he just he just he does love her. But he also wants her to join him in being a fucking conquering, you know, asshole. Right. And, and it's like the, the, you could see the the hurt on her face because she f- has feelings of of a sort for him. And she's like, no, just please. Why are you doing this? Just don't. You sure. can, you, it doesn't have to be this. And it felt like a, a little bit of an echo of that scene, although, you know, for, in an obviously much different context. I, I got a very similar vibe from this scene where it was like, no, just this God, I'm looking for any excuse to not try have to kill you, you know? yeah he just you know he he's stubborn and once he sets his mind to something but i i think yeah he didn't know what he was going to do until that moment but it's again we there was no time to drag it out you know and and drogon's gone now right and now it's like okay Mm -hmm. now you've got thousands of her fucking troops that are like extremely loyal to her that was the only kind of quibble I had where it was like, you know, if he doesn't flee there on his own, they would, there's no way they would just capture him and put him in prison. They would fucking like carve him up and it, drag him through the streets. It's a little incredible. And also it's very clear that he walks out the door and confesses immediately <laughs> because everyone knows that he stabbed her in the heart. And the only way they would know that is if he told them. Yeah. That. They were going to kill so it's him like John. over trying to save just a, like a fucking generic Lannister soldier in the street. Uh-huh. You think they wouldn't fucking mutilate him? immediately uh, for killing their their leader there's no fucking way I, so i mean the only the only counter to that is maybe gray worm wanted to do it in a big public display to show so that everyone had the satisfaction of seeing him die you know what i mean like yeah rather than like gray worm walks in 
uh, sees that he did it or her or, or, or John tells him obviously that what he did and Grey Worm just cuts his head off. I think maybe Grey Worm showed enough sense it to restrain himself so he can say, look, I'm going to execute you in front of all of my men and all yeah. of the Dothraki. He's uh, also so not a leader. He's still a, a general, you know, and yeah. he, he probably has enough sense of like, okay, here, this guy is actual Lord Commander and he, for whatever crime he committed, he still outranks me and I don't have the authority to just kill him. No, I don't think he cared about you that. Know, but he, and, but he and always, his big thing in this episode is justice, you know? Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really buy that. He's, he's, he's in vengeful mode here, so I'm a little conflicted on what went His down and i'm not one of these people yeah. that's like oh i have to see it to know what happened like i'm fine not seeing it but you know it, it still seems a pretty far cry that john made it out of there not getting ripped to shreds yeah. um so d- it's interesting d- despite this... his nobility yeah yeah so it's interesting this episode really is cleaved in two halves pretty cleanly i mean you could have theoretically padded these two out with like 10 extra minutes in each one and had them as two separate episodes with like that being the end of the first episode. Oh, easily. And they kind of probably could have made more money that way. Yeah. I mean, I know they don't don't make money through advertising, but still like the more you drag it out, the more zeitgeist, the more fucking video. It just, it's, it's, I don't know why you would not drag it out more. Yeah. But as a narrative arc as a whole, it did feel a lot more like a, a movie and a lot more like a, a complete story to have it basically break in the middle and then we get you know a time jump of what we learn later is a couple weeks which you can tell by uh beard stubble by Tyrion and uh john beard stubble i don't know uh, if you, you know you ever grow that much of a beard but that is not a few weeks of beard that, no that's, that's like three months worth of beard but, but yeah. whatever I'll, I'll you know they, they have to be broad with some of the visual cues on some of these yeah things. oh he was just in solitary so long he couldn't tell time anymore that's all it was <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, he was too close to the uh, to the black hole. His, you know, time is all relative. And right, and they both had windows. I mean, they both showed them like laying right in the fucking sunshine of the window coming through. So it wasn't that bad. <laughs> um, so we we jump right to this this kind of uh, king's moot in 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 the uh, dragon pits, and uh, it, it's incredible. You get like all these significant characters who are now the heads of their houses. You know, obviously that we, we haven't see- seen forever. They found a way to bring yeah, them all fuck. back. Yeah, I, I, Robin Aaron, you know, <laughs> the fucking is that was that the titty sucking kid? The, the yeah, I yeah, he really. <laughs> the show really, uh, yeah, like, I mean, uh, it was a big proponent for breast milk between him and, yeah. and Torment. You, you apparently you, you grow incredibly. Talk, talk about a glow up because that kid seemed like he was like you know mid functioning Aspergers for a while. Now you're kind of yeah, like, yeah, oh for sure. All right, he's not. He's, he he seems more or less normal now. Yeah. yeah um yeah um, i thought for sure they were gonna write yara off we were never to see her again and of course we we only got to see her to uh you know stand up for her allegiance and then immediately get uh, <laughs> her life threatened <laughs> to immediately have aria be like bitch i will cut you like shut yeah. the fuck up. well and yara is a queen she's not just the the, the fucking lord yara is a queen now right yeah. so Arya just threatened to, to murder another queen <laughs> It's like yeah. I will kill a queen by the end of this fucking episode. God damn it! I love Arya. I fucking love Arya. Like, that's that's <laughs> what I love. Her. She just gives zero fucks about anyone's stupid titles or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, so and then again, we talked a lot about how you know Daenerys did it for Yara. She could have fucking done it for Sansa, and there would have been a lot less conflict. But it was just her pride that she couldn't allow such a big territory to not be hers. She had to, you know 
fucking lay the law down with Sansa. And that was, a, a, you right. know, a real beginning of the end. Well, for her. I, I think, the, the, you know, the Iron Islands were pretty insignificant to her. But to this person who had a, a huge armada, it was a good allegiance. Right. So she was like, well, I'm not yeah. really giving up very much and I'm gaining a lot more. Um, even though we never saw those ships really come to her aid because they got their fucking asses kicked. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, still good to bring her back. Um, still good to have like one last send off. So it didn't feel like, oh, yes, we totally forgot about all these fucking people. Um, you know, th- I mean, if they hadn't shown some of those characters, I I would have been a little disappointed because it's like you got to you got to figure out some way to get them down there. Um, but but just the fact that again, uh, I was I was convinced that there's no fucking way we're going to see Sansa in king's landing ever again like that just was not going to happen and they did enough of a time jump we were kind of theorizing well how long is the time jump going to be because if we're going to have any kind of epilogue we've got to have some time jump right and it looks like it was about maybe a month right maybe a month Mm -hmm. and a half right and you know even though totally overdressed for the weather yeah overdressed for the weather sansa still got her fucking like all black fucking leather armor on like she's not (laughs) you know she's she this is like the last place she ever wanted to go back to um, but she's there, you know, and Bronn's there, Bran's there, and you know, Bronn and Bran are there. <laughs> eventually, yeah. But just in this scene, it's like there's so much yeah, that yeah, happens, yeah. and it's such a, a callback to you know the last time they were trying to uh, come to peace. Although they had much more pretty overhangs, or you know, the gazebo thing going on here. Now it's very, you know, very Spartan. Um, yeah. So, you know, there was a there's a. Uh, a really interesting collection of people. And obviously there were a lot of lesser Lords that were just by default, the, you know, I don't say that. I just mean like people that you wouldn't consider like the heads of a house, like people like Sam, who is the only fucking male Tarly alive at this point, as right. far as we well, know, thanks to Danny. He's now, uh, he's now up there. So, uh, uh and yeah. Get, uh, and, and, uh, fucking, and poor Ed, poor Ed Muir Tarly, uh, poor Ed Muir Tully. Last fucking Tully left, you know, this once great house, uh, you know, decides to throw his hat in the ring for fucking, you know, the Pete Buttigieg of, of, of uh, Westeros is like, well, you know, I, I've, I think I've had some time to uh, understand the nuances of and everyone's like, just uh, and you think Sansa's kind of out of line. And then you look at the reactions of the other men when he kind of turns everyone's to them like, for yeah. approval and everyone's just trying like doop, 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 trying to find a way to not make eye contact, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uncle Edmore, what'd you say? Uncle Edmure, please sit down. Like, just, please you're, you're embarrassing yourself. Like, just please. Yeah. Um, then he just bumbles around and, like, whacks his sword. As yeah. he's trying I to mean, at this point, like, you know, Gendry is now a fucking lord, right? So yeah, yeah. he's there and you're like, why is he? It's, it's not just, and it, you know, and then, um, you know, um, fucking now I'm starting to draw blanks on names. There's too many, even this point, there's still too many fucking people to remember which, but, which house I'll be able to remember. Uh, when, when they start going around to actually vote. Right. Yeah. And, um, unnamed Prince of Dorne is there. You got, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Edmure, keep going. Sam, I'll, I'll get but, to it eventually. Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, Grey Worm's like, no, we need to have justice. We need to execute John. We can't give you back. And then Tyrion comes out and, you know, it, it, it's amazing. Tyrion goes from prisoner who, who Grey Worm's like, shut the fuck up. We, I'm bringing you out here to talk. And Tyrion, just always the fucking silver tongue devil, just manages to, to you know, win the room over um, <laughs> by giving a kind of rallying speech. And, and it was like, hey, you know, uh, guys geniuses you could pick a fucking king and uh save my life maybe and also 
you know, save John's life. Uh, why don't you, why don't you guys pick a King? This is, there's been precedent for this before. Um, and they, this has actually happened a, a couple, I think at least two other times where there's been a murky pa- uh, succession path with the Targaryens, you know, when they were still kind of in control, uh, they had a King's moot where all the heads of the houses would meet and pick the, the best leader who they thought would be the best leader right. to, to rule the well, king. The other so. amazing thing Tyrion does is he just lays down the law and says, henceforth, no son of a king will ever be king. We will decide every time we'll vote every time. And nobody disagrees. It's like, he's still in shackles and just decides that uh, there will no longer be a bloodline ever. And he just says it that that's the way it's going to be. And everyone's like, okay, I guess that's what we're, you know, no one's disagreeing. Cause it, cause it fucking makes sense. And he then of course, Sam just like created the Magna Carta out of thin air <laughs> while he's still a fucking prisoner <laughs> and could be yeah. dying soon. Um, and, and Sam, of course, you know, articulates what we're all thinking. Like, why don't you just let the people vote? And they're all like, <laughs> even Sans, even Sans is like, yeah, come on. Yeah. Come on. Uh, we don't have a, have a printing maybe press step, yet. Maybe How are we to make ballots, um, Sam, if there's no printing We're going to have fucking plumbing. Like, let's, let's, let's ease up on that. But, um, you know, ultimately, this is what we've been talking about as a desire for how we wanted to see things shake out for the people of King's Landing, you know, all along is that we've wanted some form of of a democracy whether or not it's parliamentary or representative or at least some steps towards giving people more you know uh, more of a say and it's like this is a step in the right direction where they are establishing a kind of proto parliamentary democracy where they're going to let these people pick who's going to be the one among them to rule and it's not going to be based on who's got the fucking you know the the destined bloodline and all this stuff and now that Ta- John's gone, it's like there are no Targaryens left or, or, or you know, it's uh, really up to who they think is going to actually serve the realm in the best way. So it's like Daenerys well, talked well, about breaking the wheel still... and she ended up breaking. the. She really did break the wheel, even though it wasn't the way she intended it. She her actions ended up breaking the wheel in the way that we all thought well. that she meant. Drogon's actions broke the wheel. <laughs> Let's be honest. Well, uh, yeah, the, the the wheel was predicated on. But, that but throw, I think so. her actions were were also yeah, you know it, yeah, made of, people of, realize of this is not a good fucking. It's idea. not like they couldn't build another fucking chair, obviously. But it was very yeah. symbolic for us, the audience, even if it wasn't for you know. And, and that's the thing; like you never get to hear them talk about what Drogon did. They talk about Drogon later, like, "Hey, where's Drogon?" Because we're kind of still eh, a little afraid. Um, but there's no commentary <laughs> from the characters about, like, "Hey, you know that dragon really taught us that the uh, the real <laughs> the real journey is the friends we made along the way." <laughs> <laughs> we can't help but shit on Lord of the Rings because it's just so fucking goofy and <laughs> awful. Oh but, my god, I saw sorry, a fucking Ash. meme and it was Varys, and it was like the the meme of Varys, like a. Uh, uh, you know, sort of puking on the beach, you know, after the, the fleet gets fucking sunk. And it's like mm-hmm. me realizing this season was an absolute waste. And then it's another picture of Varys below and he's smiling. Uh, and it's like me realizing I can th- uh, pop in Lord of the Rings and watch a real good story as soon as this is over. Oh, and it's like, oh my God, are you fucking serious? Are you I feel sorry for you if you think Lord of the Rings is a more nuanced and better story than this. But, no, you know, they just whatever. want to be jerked off with the same fucking motion every time. They don't want to experience anything new and different and be forced to to contemplate a, a different kind of story. Um, and it's not even a different kind of story. This is this is like straight up, we talked about this last week, a, a homitarian Greek tragedy. You know, like, have you, did they ever read fucking Macbeth? Did they give a shit about reading at all back in high school? Um, th- these are the most 
important stories because they are, again, a cautionary tale. Here's what you don't want to do. Uh, you know, Breaking Bad is a story about what you don't want to turn into and about what we're all sort of to lesser degrees uh, capable of. Well, and that's what that's what I love about the series and about Danny's character arc is that it really says something about fundamental about human nature. And and it's not black and white. And it is interesting to think about how any of these characters, maybe given the circumstances that she was brought up in, may have ended up down this dark road. But it's like John had the amazing steady hand of Ned to raise him right and raise him with, with the values that he needed to do the right thing. And even that, you know, ended up getting him killed. But in the end, it worked out for him but it, it, it's that's that's what's great about this show the nuance of all these 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 arcs but yeah well i mean if uh, the rest of the stark family hadn't come down to king's landing in john's defense do you think john wouldn't have been beheaded you know i mean the only no, reason why ned so. was was beheaded was because he was isolated and people were out to get him and nobody was there to advocate for him he was totally isolated and we see what happens to any character in the show when they get isolated they they yeah. either get overwhelmed or they, you know, they make such a huge point in this show about anyone who's isolated is at risk of uh, either breaking bad or getting killed or whatever. And the only way that anyone's plan works out is with teamwork. And, and you know, Danny has less and less in people working with her as a team. And it becomes more and more just her and that dragon that's purely a weapon to her. And that's when she completely falters uh, and, and becomes the evil that she sought to uh, to dismantle. Yeah. So Tyrion, you know, gives this great speech. He, uh, and me, like what you're saying, he makes the case for Bran to sit on the throne. And it's not the person any of us would have thought at the beginning of the season, you know, gun to our heads that would be sitting on the throne. But in a lot of ways, he's kind of the perfect person to do it. And, and like, and, and, you know, Tyrion made a good case. It's like, look, he doesn't give a fuck about anything. Like, like, not in a, you know, in a cynical, cool no, way, but it's like, it. he, he has he no is. desires. Right. He doesn't have wants. Somebody, a lot of people said, well, he's the most boring person. He just sits there and doesn't do anything. It's like, well, he's perfect at sitting on a throne then. He's got nowhere else to go. Uh, and and I even tweet him, God. Like, you know, like I, I was like, go back and watch like the few episodes where um, the, the little Lord Bran uh, was, was the Lord of Winterfell. Uh, before, like between the time that, that um, uh, Rob Stark and his mother left for war and before Theon came in to take over Winterfell, it's like half of season, I guess it's, it's like the end of season three? two, season three. Yeah. Uh, where where little, you know, 10-year-old Bran has to make a bunch of like Lord decisions about, uh, you know, food and shelter and like all that, all the same stuff that Sansa does so well at. He has to do all that same shit. And even from a really, really young age, but this is like, you know, before he turned into the three-eyed uh, Dr. Manhattan, um, he was really good at it. Like he gets all the administrative functions of, of just government and also understands like you still have to have an army. Like you still got to have running water. You got to have food and maybe a few brothels. Like he gets all that without judgment. Uh, but yeah. you know he's going to be more just. We hope, <laughs> you know, yeah. can't, can't be can't be much. Worse. It, you know, the fact that well, he can show mercy on Jamie Lannister after he tried to murder him, right there. Like, okay, he's clearly chill enough that he doesn't have a fucking ego to go to war over uh, unrequited love. Yeah, yeah, and unlike John, who I, you know, we also said would be a better choice than Danny, he's not stupid. Like John, that was John's fatal <laughs> flaw is that he was stupid. And like as 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 noble of a king as he would be, he might not be that good of a king because he just makes dumb decisions because he oh, trusts people. Oh, he too much. would get manipulated by Brand fucking just, everybody. Yeah. 
nobody's going to manipulate Bran. <laughs> Bran just does. Bran fucking knows everything. So it's like right. you know, it's like sire. The 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 armies are are uh, amassing in the in the in Essos. And no, they're not. Okay, but but seriously, but we've heard from Raven. No, no, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Everyone would be um, terrified to lie to him. Yeah, no one's going to put one over on on old Bran. And it was, uh, and you it, know, the people that were like, "That's stu- he's he just sits there doesn't do anything." It's like you think he's not doing anything because you're the fucking one who's dumb. <laughs> you know, it, it, the people are, "What did he? He didn't even earn it. He didn't even earn it. We didn't even do anything at the Battle of Winterfell." It's like he's a fucking paraplegic. What do you want him to do? <laughs> <laughs> you want him to fucking God, he should have they should have put a bunch of dragon glass in the front of his his chair and just wheeled him out into the middle of the battle. Like, give me a fuck come on, what the fuck yeah, is he gonna do? He's doing aerial. He did exactly recon. he's sent you know what he right did? <laughs> he's he was the world's biggest fucking piece of bait. Like he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He he knew that the only way he was gonna get rid of the Night King is if he stayed there long enough for the Night King to almost get to him and have his focus moment momentarily taken off of his surroundings to the point where Arya could fucking, you know, ghost in there and, and check right. him. Like well, that was, he I knew don't that think that had he, to happen. I don't think he knew that. I think he still knows enough about the past that he can make better predictions about the future, but he's always said, he always said in the show, at least that, uh, you know, the future is still really murky and it's, it's, it comes in pieces. I don't know exactly what the future is going to be. Um, but I can see the, cl- the past really clearly. Um, but yeah, I, I do think uh, he gets inclinations of what he has to do to make the the things that sh- need to happen happen. You know, like yeah. in a, in a Doctor Manhattan, not Doctor in a Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange from Avengers yeah, type of way. You know, um, but so and, and they name him, you know, they name him King, and it's like everyone says yes except for Sansa, who's like, look, you know, uh, the Northmen are never gonna kneel to anyone ever again. Like I, I, I you know, I'm, I support you, but we 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 need to be our own our own kingdom. Which is what she said to Daenerys and Bran, unlike Daenerys, because Bran doesn't give a fuck. He's like, all right, whatever. No, he nods <laughs> very like, slowly, and they rack focus. Yeah. They do a great rack focus of the 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 three Sansa, younger yeah. younger Starks and uh, Arya. When when Sansa says, um, you know, the the North will remain North an needs, independent kingdom, they rack focus on Arya, and she's like like full tooth grinning because <laughs> she knows what that means, and and Sansa doesn't say it. But when everyone agrees, there's like a very small smile on Sansa's face because you know what that means. And and we see that in the very final, final scene there. And it's just kind of like, mm-hmm. ha, ha, no one realized what I just did. <laughs> what I what I quietly <laughs> I, just did for myself. <laughs> but I love it. And it's and it's honestly, it's a smart move to Sansa. And it's not that she's power hungry. She just knows that she knows how to rule the North. Or she knows how to lead the Northmen the best of anybody. No. Yeah, and it's like it's more, says, more she's the smartest person Western. on the show, and she's smart enough yeah. to know that ego is what gets people killed. You know, and, and being yeah. ill prepared is what gets people killed. And uh, you know, thinking things through is the way that you survive uh, something like a five year long winter, um, where you've got to feed all these people. So, yeah, uh, yeah it, it's it's it is a. You know, she she played the long game for sure and learned how to avoid all the other trappings of, of uh, you know, king or queendom. Yeah. Um, so then we see Bran uh, name Tyrion as his hand. And Tyrion's like, no, I don't I don't I don't want to do that. But like, it, it's like, you know, and I don't I, want to really hang. <laughs> <laughs> we have to do He's starting to together. sound more and more like John Lennon in, in, in our in our fucking imitation. Of I, always, him. I always thought Bran sounded more like <laughs> Ringo. 
Yeah, right. He does yeah, kind of, a little bit more um, Liverpool. Very yeah. Cockney accent, Liverpool, uh, Liverpudlian. Um, but so, uh, and that was another really nice moment. I thought just a really great culmination for Tyrion. It's like he's always wanted to help make the world a better place right like it's not, he's never he doesn't have a craving for power the way well, danny did he's lost he has his always wanted to be around because power. he you know everyone's like oh he's all dumb now it's like he's not dumb he's just lost his confidence because he's made a few critical mistakes and that's okay and he was trying to, to have make a show about Daenerys people making right mistakes thing. exactly um i love the moment where gray worms like you can't you can't make him the head of the king and he's like i just did i'm king <laughs> you're like gray worm do you realize what's happening here like you have no say in any of this like, gray worm, you're, you're just got so fucking made, dude like but um but, uh, but i love that now. moment yeah <laughs> because you know and Tyrion, even that moment is just such incredible self-doubt because of all the things that have gone wrong for me he's like i i just no i i don't have it he basically is like i don't have it anymore and, and brand's like you you know you have it more than you think like you 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 want to do the right thing so I, I i need you by my side and you know, he he makes him his hand, and it was it's just an incredible culmination for Tyrion in that moment to have that uh, to have that honor, you know, kind of bestowed upon him. So, uh, you know, following that scene uh, with the king's moot, uh, we we get the scene uh, where, where they they decide that uh, you know John uh, as a compromise has to go north of the wall. He's got to take the black and become a uh, uh, one of the Night's Watch again. So we get that scene where Tyrion goes and talks with him, uh, where the roles are reversed, and now John's a prisoner and Tyrion's the you know free man, and um, they have another incredible conversation. And and it's like you know, Tyrion says like you know, uh, or John says like I I suppose I'll never see you again. And Tyrion says you know hey you never know ten years from now maybe we'll <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll come into contact and I thought that was just the show's subtle way of saying like hey you know don't don't like this this probably isn't the last oh, you've seen was, of these guys a, you're sort of combining two different parts of that scene where where John says you know did I do the right thing and Tyrion's kind of like you know ask me in ten years you know and it, which is kind yeah. of implying yeah, like yeah. we do need to see this this show come back later on to know really what good they really did exactly but then also once you know he's going to Castle Black again and he says, well, it's the last time you see each other. And he says, oh, I don't know. I'm sure just a few years is, is Hand of the King and I'll want to go piss off the edge of the world again. So it's like <laughs> implying that well, he wants Love to see his, his friend much sooner than 10 years, you know, later on than, than, than sort of a, a meta epilogue would be. So who knows? Maybe we don't have to wait 10 years for a, a reboot of the series. Maybe it'll just be four or five years when yeah. some of these actors realize that they are, are so typecast that really this is the only fucking place they're going to really be famous. So, yeah. We'll see. Um, so, you know, John gets a little bit of a, a haircut and a shave. Uh, and I don't know if you noticed this, but they did a lot to make him look the exact same way he did when he went off to the Night's Watch in season one. Like He's the hair always was, looked the same, but yeah, they, 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 un, like, no, the hair wasn't un, pulled back, you know, yeah, they, they unman bund him. Uh. <laughs> and he even had the same colors he wore when he went up to the, to take the black in the first season. Like I thought it was a very intentional kind of, sure. Um, uh, you know, this whole season he was kind of like, you know, d- or well, for the past three, four seasons, he's really done a lot to look more like Ned, and now he's kind of almost reverted back to right back uh, where he know. started. Yeah, <laughs> I think that 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 brings me back to something I was going to mention earlier, and I'm kind of glad we we skipped it because it's it's important to bring up that this show is all about patterns. 
you know, how you establish a character in good characterization is patterns. You know, you establish how they react to certain things. And then the drama comes from when they react differently than we expect. If mm-hmm. it's totally outside the character, then it's like, well, that's bad writing. But if you have seen the pattern consistently and it culminates in a, in a huge, um, you know, epic climax, then that's good writing. Yeah. Right. And I think John coming back to, to the Castle Black was just another in a, a long series of bookends and parallels, you know, um, so many parallels between Cersei and Danny that they hid really well. You know, both lost three children that drove them mad, you know, or well, they didn't lose three children. They both had, had three children that were much at risk and, you know, just, just committing mass murder at the, the, the apex of their, uh, you know, ascension, uh, mm-hmm. John coming back to Castle Black and it's like, wow, you really like, what did you really do? Your own arc is right back where you started from. What did you really achieve here? You know, like you helped change the world, but was it actually better? Like now you're but, just a fucking bastard criminal again. But you know what I think, and and, I, and I'll save it for because I I just want to get through the stuff that happens before we see John again. But I I think it ultimately was a satisfying arc because of what. Uh, well, I'll save it. We'll get to it in a minute or so. So we, <clears throat> so we get the shot of John uh, heading up to the castle black and, uh. We get, a, we get a bit of a montage, so I'm going to just kind of go through each of these scenes and we can talk about their meaning because they're all sort of send-offs for these characters. Well, wait a minute. Um, before the montage, there's there's two more reunions that happen before that montage. Well, I... So after the... Well, no. After we, after John goes, we, we, get, we see a scene of Brienne in, uh, in the library... I guess the library of, of uh, King's Landing. And she's actually writing in a book that uh, book readers will know well. It's, I think it's called the White Book, but it's essentially just a uh, a history of every prominent member of the King's Guard or every member of the King's Guard. You know, it's it's their oral and written history. And in a place like Westeros, where there's no digital anything, like the only way that future generations are are told stories of these historical figures is through this written word. So. You know, you see her flipping through and she sees, you know, some people we recognize, Barristan Selmy, obviously, who we, we mentioned earlier, you know, the, the one who ended up leaving uh, Joffrey's Kingsguard to go join Daenerys. Um, and she sees Jamie's entry and it's and it's really short and, and not at all, uh, you know, it's not at all filled in. And, you know, if you th- if you remember, he actually when he was having a conversation with her, I think it was when he was a prisoner. He talks about how his entry is only going to read that he was a kingslayer, and how, you know it, it. It clearly means a lot to him, his legacy as as this. You know what he can like the, the yeah. honorable person he become. He's become seems to. Well, mean and a lot did to you him, notice so. that the the last entry was in like really poor handwriting, like not as good a calligraphy as the rest of the book. Yeah. You know, almost like they were just like, oh yeah, that guy killed the fucking king. Let's just you know, yeah, get get a get a um, you know. A, just get the fucking welder to go scribe it in there. <laughs> um, and and it was a really touching scene that like Jamie of all people, or that Brienne of all people, uh, got to write in uh, Jamie's final entry, and she she talked about all of the the heroic things he did, how he you know came back and sacrificed uh, himself to save her in the bear pit, and how he lost his hand, uh, how he how he decided to join the living and and command the troops against you know, command a battalion against the army of the dead. Yeah. She definitely glowed um, him up a little bit for the sake of uh, posterity. Sure. 
but uh but, but but laid out like that it does show the arc of somebody who who does care about people even despite the shit that he said that he, we obviously surmised he was lying to you know to himself when he was saying to Tyrion, like i don't care about the people like yeah you fucking do you wouldn't have done all the things that you did if you didn't care about people like if you if you were just you know right well again he is he's different characters act differently around different characters the way we all do in real life like i act exactly i have a different level of sarcasm with a relative than i do with my boss right so even though jamie is saying well, i don't really care for the people of king's landing like clearly he killed he you know risked his entire reputation by killing this king and was going to slaughter the whole city right he's yeah. he's matching Tyrion's level of of uh sardonicism in that moment you know he mm-hmm. cares and, and and we we saw him with bran where he's trying to get her to think he's a hateful person and we know that's not true and he's trying to say it to kind of like get her to just break down and put up a wall and let him go. He doesn't really mean those things. He's not regressing. Uh, they're not throwing away seven years of character development. People are fucking idiots if they think that. Sorry, but like, yeah. come on. It, yeah. <laughs> you got to know so, the guy um, better by now. Yeah. So I, I really just love that she finished his entry and she wrote in at the end, you know, died protecting the died, protecting his queen. Like, you know, which I'm sure took a lot for her to write because it's really upsetting for her, but it, she just wanted to make sure that he was, honored uh and and written about in an honorable fashion for future generations so right brianna always it's also to protect the 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 dignity of knighthood right and and she knows all these other knights are fucking scumbags and she's like i'm the only honorable one here so you can thank me for making you fucking look good motherfucker (laughs) yeah um so following that we uh we we get the scene uh of the uh small council that 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 Tyrion's leading <laughs> I, I love uh before anyone comes in Tyrion kind of like trying to rearrange the chairs to like look you know uh, regal and he's like no nah, this one's not quite good here and then everyone comes in and just like plops in a chair he's like no no, no I do uh, oh, which is whatever. a total reversal of when <laughs> he was trying to be on the small council and they didn't want him to be there and he takes the fucking chair that wasn't the right size and like drags it all the way across the room like <laughs> And everyone's just staring at him like, so good and he plops it down right where he wants you know like just <laughs> he, he's completely become a different person because you know people trusted him to still lead despite his flaws and despite the mistakes he'd made yeah so you know we we, we learn a lot of things just visually in that scene which which is you know another great uh strength of the show we we see sam's in maester robes so we we assume that he's been you know legitimized and made maester we find out later he's archmaester which is you know incredible um that that they elevated him to that position but obviously it was like extraordinary circumstances considering the level of maestering that he did to to piece together you know john's lineage and all of these things it's like well you know yeah you could go to the stuffy school for 15 or you know 20 30 years to become the archmaester or you just make you the archmaester because you're way smarter than these stuffy fucks well you know he, he stole the secret knowledge he went and stole the books that had the fucking good shit right like he yeah he did Which the they work, all had access obviously. to but nobody fucking nobody you know cared did. yeah um, well, it's also the fact that there's probably nobody left anywhere near King's Landing who can do it. Everywhere, you know, half the city's dead, or we assume about half. Yeah, know? but I think Archmaester, I could be wrong, and again, you know, book readers correct me. I thought Archmaester is actually the head of all the Maesters in all of Westeros. Like, he's, he, like if he would be the head of the Citadel. 
But he's like, done I, episode I think at all. That, so I, I don't know how it works. Whatever he he's no, I, I, title wise, he clearly I mean, like, has you know. taken over the role of the the old guy could be uh, wrong. from yeah. from fucking Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> um, so but that was great to see. Uh, you know, uh, he brings in the book which he mentioned uh, while he was at the Citadel a couple seasons ago. That that uh, the guy was writing the history of, of, you know, the, the aftermath of Robert's rebellion, uh, Robert's rebellion, uh, essentially. And he's like, Hey, you know, I think you can come up with a, a more, uh, like a catchier title than that. Uh, and he, and he brings out the book, a song of ice and fire, which was the story of, uh, game of Thrones, the story of the series that we've been watching. The original title. Yeah. Womp womp. yeah. So, so, but so you kind of when he, when, when Sam leaves, because they won't even entertain the idea that the, the mm-hmm. white walkers are real, or at least most of them don't. Um, we, we know this guy is completely edited out Tyrion from the story. Did, did they also edit out the battle of Winterfell too? Like they, does he just deny that <laughs> reality as well? I don't know. I, it's, it's an interesting, I don't know. It's an interesting thought. I mean, it also is like, how much does that guy who's stuck at the Citadel even know about what yeah. happened? So it's, they, it's they seem to get all their stuff through rumor and then they just confirm it based on their own bias. And they seem very, uh, you know, siloed in, in their orthodoxy, even though they're supposed to be, you know, skeptical scholars of, of history and everything. And it's like, does this guy even know half the shit that went on in, in the yeah. last 10 years? Yeah. So we see that uh, we also see Brienne and King's guard armor, which you see in the previous scene, but it's more explicit. You know, here you can see the whole all the gold, uh, the gold and the Raven crest, which was interesting. I get that Bran didn't uh, take up the House Stark sigil. He decided, you know, maybe politically savvy. He decided to have a kind of a neutral House hmm. sigil, so it wasn't like oh, we're we're under the Starks or we're under you know whoever. It's like no, this is a new House. I'm just you know, it's just me. I'm just you know, three eyed Raven. Yeah. being fucking you know autistic and weird and you know <laughs> i'm just gonna, gonna chill here and after i'm done there's no more so you know it's not that the next stark is going to succeed me and i and i think that that's really a savvy move on his part to do that and uh but but it was i know again it was amazing to see brienne uh presumably as the commander of, of the king's guard um which is the ultimate, you know, we talked about how knighting was kind of the ultimate culmination of her arc. And if she had died at the battle of Winterfell, it, it, the thing that she wanted the most, you know, she ended up getting, but I think this is even more so because she talked about being in the King's guard, you know, way earlier in the series. And it was like, well, you know, only men can be in the King's guard. You have to be a knight to be in the King's guard and women can't be knight. Like that was the whole. Sure. Yeah. If she that was a knight in title only and not in practice, it would be exactly. empty. Right. So this legitimizes yeah. that now, you know, the the her honor and loyalty and, and dutifulness is going to be applied uh, in what's left of 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 King's Landing. It's not going to be just, you know, but fucking going into the brothels and murdering bastard, you know, toddlers in their in their mother's arms anymore. Like that's that shit's not going to happen. We know just by the virtue of who these characters are that this will be a more just uh, King's Landing. Absolutely. Yeah, so also Braun is there uh, and finally, you know, has his castle and has his lands and he's legitimate and he has Highgarden, you know, is under his... Yeah, he's his, a fancy uh, lad now. <laughs> he's a fancy fucking lad, you know. <laughs> God, he's like the commander region of the Reach or whatever the fuck they call him, but it's like, he doesn't give a fuck. He's like, look, this is all I fucking wanted. Just, you know, nice, nice castle to call my own. Nice, nice, you know, 
brought on my shoulders is probably the way he would phrase it yeah and, uh, yeah and even though he has all this wealth and title now he's still like hey you gotta get the fucking brothels back is like i'm still like <laughs> you know i might want the you know the good woman but i still want the bad pussy i i, I love i love the fucking minutiae and the the bickering of the small council and it's just like this is what I love about Game of Thrones, and this is what I, I I just love that they got back to a place where the people that we care about on this show managed to survive and get back to the point where they're just like kind of having like half, you know, joking squabbles about like, oh, why don't we spend our tax dollars on building the brothels? And well, if they don't have well, water, we, they won't be able to survive. And if they, because they're, they're back in a place where life is boring and normal enough that they can. It would be bad writing to, to try to force those witticisms into scenes that where they didn't fit. Um, yeah. you know, at, the, at the beginning of this season, I said I didn't like the scene where Tyr- uh, Tyrion makes a ballless joke to to uh, Varys that seems out of place, sure. and I think it was deliberately supposed to be out of place to make you feel uneasy because he's trying to be the same comical self, but it just they're both so you know, stressed from what the, the, what they know is coming that it just mm-hmm. reads as mean. And I think now I look yeah. it back at it. I'm like, that scene isn't bad. That's actually good. They're showing how the, those comedic moments don't fit in this new fucking, you know, war to come <laughs> world where they're going to have to fight the army of the dead. And it, and it reads on the, on them. Like I look back at this and I hope a lot of people will look back at this whole season and they, they see it in a different light. The more they kind of try to rewatch it and go, Oh, Oh, I didn't even notice that. Like, I, ho- I hope more people have that moment where this season is is like the 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 cult classic that's misunderstood for a long time until people go back and rewatch it. Uh, but you're right. Like to, to have the scene of banter and they kind of, you know, once you realize that like, they're slowly dollying out of that scene and the, the audio starts to drop out like, oh, this is the last time. It's the last time we're going to see these characters and they're all together. And like, this is their family. This is the family that came together uh, because they wanted the same things, not because they were, uh, you know, inbred together or just, you know, forced marriages. These are the people that want to build a better world who now all sit in positions of power. Yeah. And, and ultimately, you know, uh, brand comes in there and he's like, you know, what, you know, what, what, what's, what's on the docket basically. And they hit him with all this stuff. He's like, Oh, I'm sure you'll figure it out. I'm going to go look for Drogon. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and and it does like somebody says. Well, where where was somebody implies they know where Drogon was last? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they start to say it, and and Bronn cuts them off and says something like real, you know, kind of farther scared, the better, or something farther away the better. And you're like, whoa! Like it almost seemed like he had uh, <laughs> like specific knowledge of his own that he wanted to not have discussed or wanted to kind of just be like, well, let's not talk about that. Like they imply there was a lot more going on and you want to just know. And I, I love that they do that with this story thread or this storyline and so many others where, uh, you know, you always want to end the show with people begging for more. I want more. I want to know, cause we know the story continues in, in different ways, you know, and some of that's marketing. Some of that's just like a good ending should make you feel like there was always could have been more, but this is the point where we stop it. Yeah. And that was at, and that was Martin's intention. Like he always said, his biggest issue with Lord of the Rings was that it was like you never found out what happened after. It was like, oh well, the forces of good triumphed over the forces of evil, and Aragorn took Aragorn took the throne. And it was like, well, what was Aragorn's tax policy? Like, how did he, you know, <laughs> right. how did he treat the, you know, like it's like, well, no, you want to know all these people have been fighting for this thing, and it's like, well, what happens when they get it? Like, I want to know what the fuck happened. And, and it's like this show obviously couldn't show us the next 30 years of Westerosi history, but it was like, 
look, this is what this is the path, and it's going to be messy, and it'll be right. complicated, and it's going to be tense. And it's like you know they had to send John to the north because, and everyone was like, oh well, that was such a cop out for his character. It was like no, it literally was the only way to prevent a war because if they had given him up to the to Grey Worm and let him uh, let them execute him, the North would have storm king's landing and it would have been an all-out war between the unsullied dothraki and the northmen if he had been freed and put on the iron throne the unsullied and the dothraki would try to depose him and there would be an all-out war the only method of an uneasy truce that they could come to was get rid of him take him off the board sure strip him of his title and his uh, and his and claim said well the unsullied left anyway why not just bring him back after a couple months and it's like well, come back and fucking take yeah, the place over word still travels and and to to kind of you know there's when when all the unsullied and dothraki are just kind of getting on the boats and they're kind of just like all right we're out of here you know they're all they all seem fine with it like they didn't have a lot of personal stake in the game but man gray worm mm-hmm. if looks could kill was like Yo, like, God. They let you know with that look that if he came back, Greymore would know about it and would come back for him. You know, like he's and it's, just like, I, I, I will fucking kill you no matter where you are if you ever come back from exile. And it's a great, you know, setup if they ever decide to revisit this universe. It's like there's plenty of fucking there's a whole nother War of the Five Kings sitting there for them to take if they want to take it 10 years down the line. Yeah. It's like if John needs to come back for whatever reason, he would only ever come back to protect you know the the people he loves to protect Sansa, protect Arya, protect Bran, whatever it is. If he ever has to come back and Grey Worm finds out about it, that whole fucking army is coming with him. And it's like that's a real interesting, like uneasy right. piece that they come to it. And the they're going the back to to the Isle of Narth to presumably fucking breed for a long time. You know, there are a bunch of like yeah. pacifists there, and they're going to have families and kids and raise another who knows how many generations of people and. Dothraki are presumably going back to Essos. Like it's, you know, I, I love the shot on the dock where you see the, the Dothraki with their fucking, you know, you see them not on their horses and just kind of strolling. Like you've never mm-hmm. seen the Dothraki just kind of leisurely walking down a pier, <laughs> just like, all right, I'm fine with everything. You know, no, no blood riding. We're just going to get on a boat. Like, you know, we can sail now. We're, you know, we're, we got our, our sea legs. It's a very, it feels very calming to see some of these characters that we, you know, we're always told, oh, they're just, savages and that's all they are and in a lot of ways the show presented them as such but um to see them just like they're just people in a crowd now you know the city's coming back together piece by piece it's just it still is the a port city there's still merchants coming and going and this is like the day like the every day that we don't show because the show is not about the everyday it's about uh existential drama and yeah. you get the sense that this is this is going to be this these two huge wars that happened uh that all took one day each <laughs> um you know are are were were huge world changing events in in this world and that's done now that story is ended now yeah yeah and and it's just there's it, it's incredible the the way they leave it off like that uh, one other quick note from the little council small council thing i don't know if you caught this but davos corrected someone's grammar and i was like oh that's such a fucking great callback to stannis who would just always be a fucking grammar nazi and like anytime anyone said you know oh yeah uh, it was it was ron who said it oh <laughs> yeah the, the uh the master of grammar now too or yeah whatever he says. <laughs> but that was that, that was yeah, that was nice. Uh, nice callback to Stannis. Uh, always correcting people's fucking grammar. Um, 
so yeah so we get three more so the 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 way the show ends the series ends is really what this it's kind of a you know a culmination of everything the series has always been about at its heart it's always been about the starks it's always been a stark story that's the characters whose eyes we've always seen the story through they've always been the most uh noble of houses like they're never the it's never that they're never the ones who have you know, eyes on conquering. They're always just trying to get along and protect as many people as they can. Um, and we get to see the fate uh, of our three, you know, arguably favorite uh, characters. We see Arya, uh, you know, decides that uh, she wants to find out what's west of Westeros. Uh, and everyone's like, oh, where'd that come from? Blah, blah, blah. But back in season six, she actually says to Lady Crane, the, which is the actress that she was uh you know sent to murder but didn't end up murdering uh she she has a conversation with her about like well what's west of westeros and and lady crane's like well i don't know no one's ever been there and and like the, the, you could see the spark even back then was planted of like hey maybe that's something to do one of these days right and, well and, and she's kind of you know she's halfway through her her assassin training and you know that those people on that list are going to be goners and it's like well what lies ahead for her and to see her become, you know, Arya the adventurer or Arya the explorer, it's like, yeah, there's bigger <laughs> worlds, there's bigger stories to tell. Like she's, then she's, you know, in her, she's like what, twenty two in real life, eighteen. Her character is eighteen at the end mm-hmm. of the show. Like, yeah, that's that's like you, you're an adult. You're studying abroad, like, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but no, you know what? I, and I love the. We talked about last episode her her arc and and you know her arc in the episode and and the the beauty of that scene with 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 Sandor where she you know realizes that she doesn't want to become him and he does that amazing favor for her of of showing that to her right before she's about to join him to go kill Cersei uh and the mountain and she surely would have died in that crumbling structure but it was like look you don't want to be like me you don't want to be consumed by vengeance you want I, I, you know, what he all but said, I want better for you. Like you deserve better. Like, don't be like me, please. Like, you know, yeah. And, she, and, she ended assassin Arya Stark with the night King. Like after that, it was like, all right, you can't top that. They're not, I never really thought that they were to have her kill Danny or Cersei. It was like, that's just too, it's too much. Her, the night King killing was so fucking epic that like, I, I had a feeling that Arya would become a bit more of a background character for the last couple episodes. And I was kind of glad I was right. But uh, so like the last episode though, I mean, we, we, I would have been fine with her killing Daenerys because it was like, she's not doing it out of revenge anymore. She's doing it to protect the one she loves. But even so I'm even more glad with the way her arc turned out where she didn't end up having to kill anyone else. And she does like it, it, what the hound, what Sandor wanted for her was to let her have a life, like to let her start over. It's like, you don't have to just be, this killing machine we want you to be a a a normal well-adjusted person like obviously you're not going to be some fancy lady you know for for some fancy lad like gendry but you know you know live a life don't you know you don't have to live your life through hatred you should you know find happiness and it's like she i i think in that moment she just realized like yeah you know fuck it like what am i gonna do stay or stand around here and just like watch the political machinations no i'm gonna go you know yeah. explore like, which is what she's always loved to do the whole series she's always been exploring the crypts of winterfell and that's that's always been her thing is that she always just wanders and it's gotten her in trouble but that's like that's what she loves doing at her core yeah she, she crossed the narrow sea by herself i mean not by herself but like no one was with her when she hopped on that that merchant boat um 
you know, so she's clearly capable, clearly ambitious. Uh, I, 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 I wouldn't have liked it if she killed Danny. Cause it was kind of also going to be kind of like, well, what the fuck is John even here for? <laughs> like, does he have, <laughs> does he have any role to play in this tragedy other than just, you know, looking at the world crumbling with sad puppy dog eyes? Like he's got to have a major yeah, right. role to play here. So I, I was really just yeah. kind of like, you know, I, I'm happy the way it worked out. Uh, yeah. From, um, from a, a, a balanced sense of the word, not from a, like, I really wanted to see, you know, people get hurt and die tragically. Point of view, exactly. but, yeah. From uh, a storytelling perspective, it, it worked out even better than I thought it would. Like I, yeah. I really, I loved that ending for her. And I really, that last shot of her, you know, standing at the, at the wheel of the ship and, that amazing fucking Stark sail, she, she which is not something you've ship. ever seen. She's at the, she's at the bow of the ship. Oh, she got the bow. I thought she yeah. was up at the no, the wheels okay. at the stern, but, not the bow. And the, so I like to. They, right. they had this. Uh, you, Jacques Cousteau, give me a break. Yeah, I fucking grew up surrounded by Great Lakes. I'm steeped in nautical <laughs> nomenclature. All right, motherfucker. Uh, no, I love the I love the cross cutting where they start with the three insert shots: the one of John picking up the sword, the one of uh, uh, Arya, you know holstery needle and then the one of um you know that amazing chest plate uh, as part of her coronation outfit that uh, sansa has they start with these great insert shots like david fincher level insert shots and they kind of work out mm-hmm. work out work out and realize like they're all moving forward physically they're all walking forward sansa's walking through the great hall and all the you know men are bowing before her that great hall by the way is where every fucking major event has happened on this this show mm-hmm. uh from um you know, Jamie's trial to Littlefinger's execution to, to Sansa's coronation to uh, both the, the first and the last banquet. Like so many things that happened in that same fucking room. John so, being named King of the North. Uh, yeah, yeah King of the North. And, <laughs> you know, she's walking through that, that fucking dress, by the way, Sansa's coronation dress. You saw all the gods with leaves that are stitched into that. Just uh-huh. I, I know I know people that like do the, like high fashion people that like make their own fucking like they were coming <laughs> watching that shot oh, that, I, I i'm not even that kind of person i was like that is fucking beautiful that's like the most beautiful yeah. fucking stitch work it was like that's um, incredible yeah and then you see john he's kind of like walking through the crowd of wildlings you know surrounded by like you know young red-headed wildlings that are all like green him like yeah, there's so he's gonna find another another partner very soon in that one uh, I, and then aria kind of like walking towards the the, the bow of the ship they're all their, their movements are all uh synchronized essentially the way they shot it I love the way they synchronize. I, I want to address each one individually just so we can kind of wrap up each character, but I do love the way that they intercut that, that little montage at the end with all the Starks who've really always been the focus of the show. And that's what the show has always been, you know, telling us is that these are the characters that you should care about more so than <clears throat> almost anybody else. So, um, you know, Arya is off to, uh find out what's west of westeros uh you know mo- <laughs> most people me included were like uh probably essos uh considering considering it's a globe but you know there there's uh, like theories that maybe there's you know there's a lot in between or maybe there's like you know the earth is not spherical in in this world it's like a whole you know there's a lot that could happen with that so you know a lot well, of people just the maps that they've shown or even like the extended maps that have been drawn it's only about 6,000 miles wide. And if we presume this planet is like earth, they've got another uh, 19,000 miles of circumference around that planet Mm -hmm. that they've never even talked about, let alone shown. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's an interesting, you know, what if, and what, what may come with Aria uh, with that. So uh, 
we also see Sansa, as you were saying, walking down the Great Hall, you know, donning her her regal uh, robes and, and accoutrement, whatever the fuck they are, and uh, getting her crown. In. And it's like that incredible last shot uh, of, of the Great Hall where everyone's chanting, you know, the Queen in the North. Uh, just an incredible culmination of Sansa's story. And, and after all the shit that, that this show has put her through, uh, to see her as the queen in the north and like the ruler of the north it, and she she fucking won like more so than almost anybody on the show she fucking won like she you know uh and got she did what it she wanted but she's anybody. just that's yeah, what's so amazing exactly. it was it was like through self-determination and simply asserting one's own autonomy and rights and saying you know, I know what's best for people, not because that they're dumb, but because I just know these people. I'm from them. I respect them. Um, and what they deserve is is to not be part of this this game anymore. And she's not lusting for power. She doesn't even call it her birthright. She's just like, look, you know, I'm this is my home. I'm the lady of Winterfell. Winterfell is the the, the de facto capital of the north. Uh, and we fought to save it. You know, we fought, we you know, brought these armies in, we sacrificed greatly um, to, to destroy the army of the dead that would have killed everyone uh, in, in, in Westeros, if not all of Essos, too. If you froze the, the hemisphere long enough, you could walk across that narrow sea. So it's just, it's not a sense of entitlement, it's a sense of deserved uh, out of doing the work. Yeah. And, you know, it really makes you wonder, like... Uh a kind of whole nature versus nurture thing. It's like if Daenerys had grown up as the daughter of Ned Stark and Sansa had grown up, you know, the brother of, of Viserion, it's like, would Daenerys have ended up the way that Sansa did, you know, noble and with the sense of, of justice and the sense of caring for, for the common folk. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but could you imagine an angry redhead with a dragon? Like <laughs> it would have been, <laughs> The, the 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 flame and yawn of King's Landing would have happened uh, much longer and harder. Listen, the only other redhead we know in this series was Greed, and she once threatened <laughs> to cut John's cock off. So. And she shot him three fucking times. Like oh, that, that's also true. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I have um, nothing, but, nothing but love for redheads touched by fire and everything. I just, yeah, well, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna marry one. So I, I am, I'm on the same boat. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I. Uh, yeah you know it, it's it's I, I just thought it was a beautiful culmination of her story and 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 for her to you know to yeah well and because she didn't talk about it we already knew she was a lady of winterfell she's basically you know queen should have fucked mountain out there no one's you know everyone <laughs> respects her um but that one little tiny bit where she says you know down in king's landing we're gonna be she didn't say a, a an independent um you know land or whatever she said yeah she said kingdom right mm-hmm. so she's clearly like Haha, i guess who's, there's no king up there so <laughs> guess what motherfuckers and, and it's still because i was just so wrapped up in that moment of like oh my god what all these possibilities it didn't even occur to me that she would be the queen in the north but then in that scene as they're putting the stuff on her i was like oh okay that's what they were that's why Arya was smirking that's yeah. what they're building towards and, and it was just a great crown too i don't think they've shown a crown oh, yeah that, i love that 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 sort of minimalist and ornate at the same time in the cersei's show. was kind of 
similarly minimalist, but it was still even more ornate than that. Yeah, it was like, still sinister, though. This was just like this beautiful little twisted. Th- they must have hired somebody that like is on like another level oh, yeah. of costume design for this last final costume, who was just gonna, you know, hit it out of the park. But yeah, they start pulling out, and you're like, that's the same fireplace where Jamie got knighted, and all this, you know, it's just fucking everything's ever happened. This is the room. This is the room where mm-hmm. history is made in the North, right? And when you don't even see anyone else's faces, you see their fucking swords going up there, right? Because the scene is completely just about her and they're shouting Queen of the North. And you know how yeah. powerful it was when it would hear it when it was John, right? And and now to hear it with Or even with, Rob. Yeah, or even Rob. Well, it wasn't in that room. He was at, I think it was in a wasn't that room? was at no, that was at they were on the road, like That's on right. the road to King's Yeah, Landing, They were in a different different area when that happened. But uh yeah, just like the final like the her last shot. That's her last shot. Is is that right there? And you're like, God mm-hmm. damn it! That really, um, that did get to me. That shot. Yeah, me too. I I really enjoyed that. So the uh, final subject of the montage was, of course, John, who the series has always been about from the beginning. Even if we didn't realize it in the beginning, because he wasn't, you know, the most prominent character. We thought this was a story about Ned, and it ended up being a story about John. Um, and we see him walk back through the doors of, of Castle Black. And in that moment, you kind of realize they, they kind of duped Grey Worm because it's like there really isn't a fucking Night's Watch to speak of. Like nobody's fucking there. He walks around. There's like nobody there. It's just wildlings. Uh, yeah. It's just wildlings. He sees Tormund and, you know, John still doesn't really smile much. He's still pretty dour because he is still upset that he had to kill the woman he loves, even though he knew he did the right thing. He's still such an honorable guy that he's racked yeah. with guilt about it. But, but you know, the, the only moment you kind of first moment you see him smile is he, he sees ghost again and he goes up to him and he finally pets him. So everyone that, you know, lost their shit about like, Oh, they they did ghost fucking dirty and he didn't even pet him. It's like, yeah. Cause he was, they were waiting for this moment where, he, where he was reunited. With I, like, and I, I, I didn't say a lot, but I he fucking called that. Like it was so deliberate the way they wanted us to feel that, that obviously he's going to see him again. Him. Absolutely. Yeah. And people are like, oh, he's he abandoned him. He's like, no, he didn't. He left him with Tormund, like the most fucking wolf loving dude there would be <laughs> in the north. And I mean, look at look at, you know, look at Ghost. He's fucked up. He has, he should not be in any battle, let alone a mm-hmm. fucking hot ass battle in, in Westeros where he's got way too much fur. He'd be suffering the whole time. Be panting. Um, I mean, come yeah, on. yeah. He lost a fucking ear. His face is all fucked up. Like, let let a fucking <laughs> good boy rest. You know, let him hang up his his, his fangs and claws for a while. He got his he got his pets. He, I mean, he got the pets he was looking he, for. Yeah, so. that was it was a great tweet. It was like he protect, he attack, but most importantly, he got a John Snow pat. <laughs> <laughs> so that was great. Um, yeah, and we see John, uh, you know, mounting up to go ranging with with the wildlings and he and he leaves and he looks back and there's that finality of the gate shutting behind him and it's like you know he's not going back to be the oh yeah no i didn't i didn't catch that the first time yeah it wasn't the second time that i was like oh he's he's abandoning the night's watch again but really there's no night's watch to speak of but that that gate that gate is the gate that we see in the very first shot of the show that opens up with Mm -hmm. the three guys traips out there and uh, get killed um and I love that walk because it's first it's just Ghost and then him and Tormund, uh, his other redheaded lover. Uh, and then you don't see the other wildlings come out for a while. And you're like, well, what are they doing? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, they're leading them back to their homes because now it's, you know, at least we, we think safe back north of the wall. And as they're moving along, there's that shot where they kind of kind of pan down and you see a little little 
like leafy plant grown out of the snow. Mm-hmm. And you realize it that like for winter's finally thawing. Summer is coming, <laughs> right? Yeah. Spring. It's a dream of spring. That's exactly. That's, that's, you know, the whole. The what whole happens to the wall? Them. I mean, does does the whole wall melt now? It might melt. I mean, who knows? Maybe we know it's no held together with it. magic, not just not just temperature, but you know. And then that the final final shot, the very last image we see is all of them just kind of like not even walking in a row, but kind of just you know spreading it out as, as they as they disappear into the trees. Right. And yeah. it reminded me kind of just like this idea that, you know, the in in sort of um, ancient uh, epic literature like Gilgamesh, uh, you know, the forest is kind of this primordial thing that that's somewhat evil, but somewhat not like it's to be feared somewhat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the place of wild things um, and it's a and place where men men go, you know, where kings go to conquer. Right. Mm-hmm. But in this show, we kind of think of the forest is like it is a more primordial primitive thing and it's almost like john's kind of leaving the whole world of society behind uh you know two episodes ago Tormund says you're you know you have the real north in you like you have mm-hmm. a, a part of you that is much doesn't belong in the society at all and as much as you try you can't really save it you know you can do try to do the right thing but ultimately your place is up here and as they disappear yeah. into those trees you kind of feel like he's he really is becoming one of them but also becoming part of nature again and who knows, maybe we skip ahead five, 10 years and we see a Jon Snow who just is unrecognizable where he, he's purely become more, uh, more wolf than, than snow. Yeah. And I, and I think ultimately, you know, it's, it's just a really satisfying ending for Jon's character because he's been through so much on the show, arguably more than almost any other character. I mean, he literally fucking died and came back to life. You know, he was betrayed by his brothers and fucking stabbed to death and, and came back to life. He he fought the dead at the hard home. He fought, you know, uh, Ramsey at the battle of the bastards. He fought the dead again at, you know, at the battle of Winterfell. And then he fought, uh, w- you know, alongside Danny's troops at, at, at the battle of King's landing. And it's like, He's fucking tired. He never wanted any of this shit. He always says, like, I don't want it. I don't want to rule. I don't want all these positions of power thrust upon me. And it's like he finally wants to rest. I think he just wants to lay his sword down. at least for a while. Even the idea of him laying down his sword, he's still only like 25 years old. Like, he's still fucking young. Um, but, but he's, I, but I, you could tell he's, he's always just been, he just never wants any of these things thrust upon him. He's just always done them out of duty and, and right. nobility. Well, he's wanted and to now, be a ranger. And, and he, Right. And, I, and he's, the, yeah, yeah, the idea of being a ranger isn't that you're just constantly at war. You're also, you know, surveying land and helping people in need. Like you're, you're a fucking park ranger, right? Like you're not a soldier. So yeah, I think it's definitely a role more suited to him, but it's, you know, you think back on all the, all the different places he's been and where his, his particular level of intelligence and moral code fit in more, but with the wildlings, like who has mm-hmm. respected him more for who he is Instead of saying, you know, you, you know, obviously, you know, uh, you know, one person in particular said, you know, nothing, Jon Snow, but he <laughs> was accepted so well by those people, even when they were taught to not trust him, they liked who he was and he risked his life to because save them. They were the realest people on the show. I mean, they have no trappings of pretense or like lineage or any of this bullshit that everyone in King's Landing has. Nobody's going to be like, oh, well, you're, but you're Aegon Targaryen. You're the heir to the Iron Throne. He left. Aegon Targaryen to die beyond the wall like that's or, you know it, it, when he went when he crossed the wall it's like no that's I'm leaving Aegon Targaryen there behind me 
I don't want it. I've always been Jon Snow. You know, I, I he he represents his Stark house and he represents like, you know, the Targaryen part of him. But it's like at the end of the day, he's always been Jon Snow. He just wants to fucking, you know, find someone that he could live out his days with. And I love the the beauty of that, that kind of closure his character gets. And it's like, like you mentioned, you know, he's walking out and there's a, a couple of redheaded wildlings kind of eyeing him. And it's like, yeah, you know, about half a dozen, John, actually, he's going to be, <laughs> he's going to be fighting him off. Yeah. <laughs> he's got his, he's got his pick and it's like, John, you know, I, that's, that's all I want for John is just to find a nice, a nice redheaded wildling girl, a uh, girl he could settle down sure. with and fucking lay Which his sword is, down. It's so and- bizarre because so many other people were like, he's the rightful king. I will not like this finale unless he sits on that throne. It's like, how, how much do you hate the characters that you just have this erection for male dominance that you want him to be the, you know, the, the thing that wins the whatever the fuck. And it's like, that's, you, you, the character doesn't want that. Who this character has mm-hmm. always been doesn't want that. This character wants something totally different. Like, no, he, John, fucking Targaryen, to, you know, it's just like, he, I don't understand that. I understand that He's projection of, of male dominance that's, and male ego exactly. onto a character that is very not a masculine hero. I mean, he he, he fights and wins and shit, but it's not a, a it's not like... Um, so many other he masculine. the trappings of bravado and like exactly know. like you remember the, the one time we saw the wildlings really be fucking assholes was after those those dudes with the fucking scarred faces are really tall they were like wildlings but not like the regular wildlings and they like pretty much forced them to go slaughter a bunch of people that were just like farmers right and mm-hmm. that's when when ollie's parents get killed like that kind yeah. of masculinity where you're just like no this doesn't this is this is like the worst possible thing you know the, even the wildlings were like i fucking hate those people <laughs> um yeah when they're uh, at hard home but uh yeah it, it is fitting you, you definitely see when he looks back at that gate he's he's questioning what he's leaving behind and so are we and we're kind of just like what is going on here like what is he what are they trying to say with this scene and i think they were trying to say a lot of things and you know i hope after the initial like because everyone wants to the people that want all the clicks on youtube the reviews want to get out their initial reaction and they, they're the guys that are just like oh here's my top what the fuck top 10 what the fuck moments about what happened in an episode and it's just these douchebags and then mm-hmm. you know, it takes about half a week to a week for people to have like some much more analytical thoughts to say about the show to come out and say things that are supportive that take time to really process <laughs> and uh you know i really hope that people that like that becomes the you know, the where people leave it is they go back and they go, oh, actually, this was this show was trying to teach me something. They were trying to show that, like, Jon Snow is not, uh, you know, who, whatever the Maximus from the Gladiator. You know, he's, he's a very different kind of, of male um, warrior. Right. That Arya is a very different kind of, of uh, uh, young woman put on, yeah. on screen that Sansa is a very different kind of uh, queen than the other Queens we've seen on this, on the show um, that uh, you know, a knight like Brienne is better than all the other fucking noble knights we've seen, <laughs> even though Jamie tried to redeem himself to, to some degree, uh, you know, ultimately couldn't really do the right thing. He was, he was pulled back in by just the, you know, it's, you can't betray who you are ultimately or your own family. You got to be there for them, even if they're, they're awful. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So I just really liked the way that they wrapped up all of these characters and John, especially, I mean, I just, you know, in good, I don't understand the instinct for people who, well, uh, let me rephrase that. I understand the instinct of like, no, I want to see more adventures with these people that I care about. But at the end of the day, it's like, if they've done a good enough job telling you a story, 
and telling you a conclusive story, you should want those characters to to be able to like have happy. You know what I mean? Like it, it's John's fought his fucking battles. Like he doesn't want to fight anymore. Like he's 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 ready to rest. He's ready to live a fucking life away from all the bullshit in King's Landing. And these actors these... want to live another life too. Jesus, ten <laughs> fucking <laughs> that years, too. man. That too. They were all children when they signed on. This show almost killed both so- Sophie Turner and Macy Williams. Well, they went through huge bouts of depression and anxiety because they were just so many people were coming up to them being like, oh, my God, I love you. And it's like, I'm just an actor. Or, oh, my God, I hate you. Why would you do that to this person? You know, exactly. And the the amount of pressure on these people is overwhelming. It's like they they deserve to go live a life. And maybe if they want to come back and do another spinoff at some point. Sure. But like, give them a fucking break, man. This is their real life. It's not yours. You know, there's an amazing interview that Eddie Vedder did, I think it was like Rolling Stone, like the 2000s, where he's like, you know, you get to this level of fame where you got this group of people who love you and you got this group of people who, who hate you for what you did, for what you've done. Like, you know, and then you got this group of people who love you so much they want to kill you. And it's like Maisie Williams has like talked about like how fucking stressful it is, like the people that like the haters online, but also like, yeah, like the lunatic like stalkers and shit and it's like these people just want to have fucking normal lives and like right you know you you can't have a normal life when you're world famous and have you know run your own social media accounts like there there's got to be an expectation that like if you literally just sit there reading through all the comments someone you know left on your post on instagram there's going to be some fucking psychos and either you don't read all those comments or you just have a private account that you use for your friends or, or like you can't expect to be a public figure and, and then expect that like the public is but, not going to be awful. The public no, of course. is the people of King's Landing. Like half of them are just shitty by the nature of the fact that they're the public, you know? Yeah. But I, but you know, I just, uh, people are fucking nuts. Like just chill out. Like let these people live their lives. Like you don't like, it's not their fault that you didn't like the way that the fucking, you know that Daenerys's character turned out like don't blame Sophie Turner for it don't blame don't blame Amelia Clark for it Amelia Clark you know did an incredible job with this character and you know it's like yeah the character ended up having a really reprehensible turn but like Amelia Clark's probably a fucking awesome person that like had to you know find this this in her like this character that she's oh, lived with for people 10 years that kill even, off. Like. Nobody could, nobody could say that she didn't fucking sell it. Even people that were like, this is terrible writing. And I didn't fucking believe it for a minute. And I don't like what his show is done, you know, turns her into, but her acting fucking made it believable. Like mm-hmm. it, no matter how much they have not liked the ending, even though I think we both agree it was fantastic and, and actually very well consistent with what they were setting up the whole time. Um, you believe it by what Amelia Clark shows us rather than what she tells us, or at least in the last episode, in this episode, she gets to tell us and show us. And it's even more horrifying when we hear both because we realize <laughs> that uh, she's Hitler, basically uh, a very warm, uh, fragile, and empathetic Hitler, but still Hitler. Uh, yeah. Even Hitler was nice to dogs. I mean, it's like, you know, Oh, the, like all the photos of Hitler petting deer. You're just like, Oh, <laughs> that, I mean, fucking. Well, yeah. you could have you could have done. Gotta watch out for those vegans. I know. It's yeah. <laughs> well, he wasn't even vegetarian. Um, he just somebody started that rumor online. It's persistent. Oh, okay, he wasn't while, actually but... vegan. <laughs> no, it, you know, the, the word vegan didn't exist until I think the 1950s, and uh, yeah. it was actually a British guy that came up with it. But um, yeah, Hitler was not 
vegan or vegetarian, but I think he, he had like some, it, it was like the thing that, that, uh, Nazis did every country they invaded, they would steal all the livestock from the local, local farmers and then butcher all the livestock, uh, for meat, for their troops. And then what happened was all the, all the countries that Nazi, uh, Nazis took over because they weren't eating meat, their rates of, uh, of cancer and diabetes suddenly disappeared because they only had plants to live on. <laughs> The people that were being, you know, occupied by Germany, and then as soon as they were liberated, and they started eating meat again. Their cancer rates and diabetes rates went right back up. So, <laughs> if if there were the, if there's a silver lining about being occupied by Nazis, it's uh, uh, not dying from cancer and diabetes from from dietary. Oh God. So I mean, overall, I I think we, uh, you know, the the ending was as as about as satisfying as they could have delivered. I I really, um. I really enjoyed it. And I, and I think, you know, you talked about the top of the show, the idea that game of Thrones is now going to become HBO star Wars and that it is now this massive commodity for them, this massive piece of IP uh, and that they're never going to let that dry up because it's, it's money. It's billions of dollars left on the table to them if they don't capitalize on that. So I mean, I do hope that home to watch every other series that they have on there and and almost every show on HBO is fucking phenomenal. Uh, when you get mm-hmm. down to it and it's, it's, um, but yeah, they have a it, it, much it, higher batting average than most networks, even if they've had some bad ones, it's like, almost, you know, much higher batting average. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the wires, Sopranos, it's just, it's wires fucking incredible. phenomenal. Uh, the, the one with Julie Reese, Julia Reese Dreyfus. Veep. I don't um, watch, but I heard it's amazing. You know, she's, she's the fucking only reason Seinfeld got past a pilot. Yeah. Cause they shot a pilot without her. And it wasn't nearly as good. They brought her in, and it was like, "Oh shit, this is going to be the most popular sitcom in history." Their miniseries, yeah, their miniseries are amazing. That that show I was telling you about, "Show Me a Hero," which is like about housing, segregated housing in the eighties. With yeah, Oscar I still got to watch that. Right yeah, the Jinx, which is the best true crime uh, mm-hmm. series ever, uh, because the filmmakers oh, uh, help catch incredible. the killer <laughs> at the end of it. Uh, actually, like literally catch him. Yeah, um, yeah, I see. Going Clear was incredible. The Scientology documentary. They, 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 yeah, no, they, they, they're fucking. It's a great network of. They, they produce great content. You know, um, their, their, their political commentary. I could really do with fucking out. You know, Bill Maher, John Oliver, neoliberal trash. Oh, but yeah, no, but that. their, but their entertainment division's tremendous. So, um, you know, I, I, I have confidence that they're not going to put a subpar product out. And that they'll give us good stories with these series. I mean, they're already talk- there's already five spinoffs that have pilot scripts written, and two of them have been greenlit already. So the only one we know about is actually shooting right now, which is the ancient... It's basically Tales of Ancient Westeros. I think it's going to be... I think it's like the long night. It's essentially going to have to do with, like, you know, the the early Targaryens and, and the early, you know, uh, White Walkers, and it's going to be going to be an interesting you know we don't know fully what it's about yet but we know it's going to be from thousands of years in the past i mean the thing i really hope is they get the art direction right where instead of having like the prequels to star wars where it's way more high tech (laughs) than than what we see is that they Uh they make everything look way more primitive because even in this show when you look at just even like the little things like the, the the lannister armor or the king's guard armor every season got more Oh, it, it glowed up every season. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And then you get like the fucking because they had like a version of the scorpion thing in in the Battle of the Blackwater, and then you see like the ones that you know are on with the the fucking 
uh, octopus tentacles that that uh, Euron has, and it's like they they were really warfare does um, produce rapid technological advancement. So I really hope that you know, being that we've apparently been stuck in this this medieval world for thousands of years with no major advancement, that if they do a prequel, they really make the armor and everything look much more simple, and really try to kind of like underwhelm us by the the production value of it which i think they can do i mean there's definitely parts of of, of you know uh, of this show you know especially with like the, the high sparrow where they can show like a really simple popper version of of this world aesthetically uh and still make it look amazing um on, on a camera yeah and a lot of the settings can be similar because a lot of these houses are ancient castles yeah. built by these by these people that the show is going to focus on so i mean they might look even, you know, nicer and less run down in some uh, capacity, but the the technology or the proto technology should certainly reflect that. So, I mean, that is an interesting series. They're going to have to find compelling characters for us to want to root for, especially now that we know it's the, the issue with any prequel is that, you know, that ultimately none of this is going to be super, super relevant. Like it might be relevant to what ends up happening to that character in the end, but like, you know, we know they're not going to go it, on to become. It's got to be exactly. It's got to be a self-contained story, right? Yeah. And it's got to be a reason for it. It can't be like, oh, here's the story of how the bad guy from the last movie became the bad guy. Like, I don't, you know, I it's mean, not interesting. I don't it's, care. It's like, you know, yeah. I don't need to know where Boba Fett came from. You know, was a little baby version. It's, it's. I don't, don't explain everything. That's the thing. Is it's. I don't. I don't get where this need to have every single fucking plot line explained. It's inconsequential to the overall story, you know? I think prequels are only, you know. Like like, like Beric said, you know, it's the the first and last enemy is death and we have to fight it even though we know we're going to lose. And and maybe that's, you know, we can protect some people, we can protect the innocent, save some lives, but, you know, that maybe that that's good enough. That's what it is. And and ultimately, I mean, I think what what the what the fans really want, and what I maybe I'm speaking for everybody, but what I would certainly want from any future Game of Thrones series is like I'll I'll watch a prequel. Like I'm sure it'll be great, great production value, great spectacle. There's plenty of famous dragon uh, battles and famous dragon action that, that they could show on screen. But what's going to be satisfying to me is to see. I, I would rather see miniseries based on little spinoffs that they've kind of teased through the ending of this series. Like, and it doesn't have to be now. It could be years down the line. You know, I'd love to see the art, the adventures of Aria, like a little eight episode miniseries, the adventures of Aria, see what she actually finds, you know, West of Westeros. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of shit to, to explore there. Maybe she runs into Drogon. I mean, that's, we or, know Drogon's gone. Yeah, Essos. Maybe she'd, yeah, exactly. Just cause you know, like the, the far, far East side of Essos is like fucking Mordor. It's like dark city after dark city after dark yeah. city where all the blood magic originated. Uh, maybe she ends up there and it's like fucking pits of hell kind of bullshit. Like you want your mystical see. bullshit. Here you go. Motherfucker. Yeah. What's like, West of know? Westeros is Eastern es- Essos. So yeah. It's just a question uh, of whether Macy Williams would ever want to go back to a show yeah. that that's intense. You know, well, I, th- I think that's why they they left it open for so many characters. If they did want to do anything with any of them, that they could conceivably right. give them standalone series. And if they don't, um, then it's just up to our imagination, yeah. and it makes what we got that much more better. 
that much more better. Um, the, the, the less there is, the more we value it. The, the mistake Star Wars has made, Disney has made with Star Wars, is oversaturation of something that's not special anymore. You know, we didn't need to see an origin story for Han Solo. The thing that made Han Solo so great was not knowing where the fucking golden dice came from. Like, you, you know, if you, it was, again... It was, it was- fan service it was it that it was the worst de- like no, we, we complained about people using that nobody asked for though yeah nobody exactly. wanted it nobody exactly and it wasn't bad i mean i mean no, it was, it was enjoyable movie about that it was, was fucking nothing. amelia clark's eyebrows um and they gave her something to do more than just ride around on a fucking uh, green screen monitor but but uh, yeah it, so it wasn't filling it was like a it, it it was like a big tub of popcorn like it was it was great in the moment and then it just had no lasting completely impact. Like forgettable it, yeah. You know, um, who was in that movie besides uh, Emilia Clark, Woody Harrelson? Donald Glover. I mean, that's, you know, that's Donald the only Glover, person I really, you know, really enjoyed in it. Well, uh, I think the most interesting character was the the one you thought was a dude. And then the last minute realizes was like this, this redhead young black woman with freckles who was like, oh, yeah, we need to rebel. And it was like, oh, here's finally the theme of the of the movie shows up in the last 15 minutes. We finally know what this movie was about. <laughs> uh, and then she's like, I'm gonna go get a drink. And then it's just like, all right, here's all the fucking energon cubes uh, for anyone who's a fucking uh, Transformers fan. will know that reference. But that was basically the, the, the plot of that movie was like the MacGuffin was the, the energy source that was here or wasn't there. And then whatever. But. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't. And then, I, I and really then we hope get that, they like, don't weird do that Darth Maul fucking, you know. The, oh yeah, the, the little little uh, hologram retcon. Um, I, I really hope HBO is smart enough not to water it down and water it down and water it down mm-hmm. for the sake of just making more product. The way you know they just they just cheapen Walking Dead with you know Fear the Walking Dead and then just make it like. <sighs> yeah, I always the be Walking Dead like whatever new fucking spin. So I, my only my only hope that that's not going to happen is that there supposedly you know George R R Martin is involved in some capacity with the development of these series. So I don't think that he would let his universe be bastardized just for profit. Now like for you know like not that he doesn't care about profit, I'm sure he does, but like I don't think he would let them just make a bunch of bullshit just to make the them money. He'd have to like really engage with a story in order to let them tell it in his universe. I don't I imagine he has, he has control over it. I'm still, I'm okay with, with what HBO would do with, with the show. I think that their, their sense of what to do with it. I know a lot of fans probably don't agree. And I think most of those fans are people that just came to the show this season. Uh, and, and we're only, you know, kind of going back and, and more watching. A but few I, w- I wonder how much of that was, was the two, da- the two D's, the double D's influence on making sure the show stays true to the story versus HBO's corporate interests of making, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just hope that there's enough voices at HBO that realize like, Hey, this does way better when we make a, uh, a uh, successful, when we do successful storytelling and tell a, tell an interesting and compelling story versus just churn out whatever's the most crowd pleasing. Like, I hope they don't have the fear response. Like it's very clear, like, and I don't want to relitigate this again. Like everyone's talked about it to death, but the last Jedi, you know, for all people's flaws with it, it certainly took chances and it did things differently and it pissed a lot of people off. And it seems like Disney's response to that was to bring back JJ Abrams to just do a bunch of fan service bullshit that seemingly, retcons everything interesting 
that was done in the last jedi well that's like, the you trapping. know take away race parentage and you know like all that so i really hope they don't make Once that you correction have a fan base you yeah. either do the same thing over and over and you have one set of fans that loves it because it's predictable or you do mm-hmm. things differently and then the other set of fans hates it because it's you know it's something else so but i hope that they don't they don't get that they don't have that same knee-jerk corporate we need to make as much profit as possible reaction where they're like fuck just make it a cloud crowd pleasing story and don't do anything interesting like this and don't tell any nuanced stories let's just tell really broad good and evil stories and let's make a yas queen you know leader like daenerys end up sitting on it like don't do shit like that like don't have that knee-jerk like you know response of like we need to fix this so more people give us money like i just really that's my only fear is that they'll do that over correction but i mean we'll see you know hopefully that the yeah. good sense wins out the, the fact that you and i still want more that even the mm-hmm. uber fans that think that they've not made many mistakes have you know that we all want more means that they're going to make the mistake of making more when it's not ready yet it'll never be sure. this good and i think that we should yeah. all be honest about that that the more the more of it they make you know, again, the people said, oh, the season was too rushed. It was bad writing. I, I disagree because it was so rushed. They they um, they boiled it down to its essence. They gave us only the, the minimum required, and it was the best. There was no filler in this, this season. We're past that Someone point. Had- and I just, I think that, you know, less is more when you're trying to have quality over quantity. And they're going to do some spinoffs that I think we're, you know, eventually we'll just water it down and be like, okay, what the fuck was this for? This was, this was the Han Solo solo movie of, of Game of Thrones at some point. I don't know if it's going to be now or the next one or the next one, but it will, there will be a point where they'll oversaturate it and people will go, oh, this isn't special anymore. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, going forward, it's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, how that all shakes out, but I, I, I'm satisfied with how it ended, and I really hope that uh, people will just, just you know, the people that weren't happy with the season, just rewatch the season. Like, think about it. Take some time to think about it. Don't you know? Look, you don't have to like it. Nobody's you know. You can you can absorb fiction however you want to, but just try to put aside your the immediate group think of the internet like rage machine and twitter you know meltdown over every little perceived digression from the books and think about it from a storytelling perspective and then don't just you know think about it from the the perspective that you were given yeah, and, as and like a framed like oh this is the betrayal of the character think about for actual every, storytelling and where the for character every person up. out there who wrote some shitty fucking viral tweet on twitter about how much you hate the show and how much they didn't answer all your questions, which were, you know, not necessarily unfulfilled plot lines, but just prophecies that they never fleshed out enough to your satisfaction. Go watch one of the, one of the group reaction videos where there's hundreds of people in a bar. When, when Arya kills the night King, watch those people's reactions and ask yourself, why aren't you the kind of person that goes out to a fucking bar like that and experiences something as, as a group of people sharing that emotion? Why aren't you that person? Mm-hmm. yeah yeah no because it's it's a lot more 
you get a lot more social media clout out of coming up with a, a witty takedown of the episode rather than yeah. engaging with the show and saying, oh, you know, <laughs> their, that was their an interesting tweet, way to go. How much pleasure they get from a fucking tweet versus a real in-person experience like that where you're all sharing the same emotion, the same grief and joy and anguish and elation and shock all at the same time. Isn't that more fucking fun? To be out in the real world and just be sitting behind Twitter being just like, oh, John didn't become the king. That's bad writing. Like, what? Get out of your fucking social media world. If that's all you have is just negativity. Go out and live in the real world. The entire series. I don't want to be king. John, you should be the king. I don't want to be king. Hey, John didn't become the king. What horrible, right? Like, yeah, okay. You, you just don't listen to what any of these characters say no. apparently ever you know i'd want to be king because then i could be in control and sit there on my fucking twitter account on the throne that's what i would do so anyone else who doesn't want that that's bad writing fuck that shit yeah fuck them fuck them all fuck em. so um i mean i think we've wrapped up uh pretty much all we're gonna say on this episode uh, and on these characters for now uh, we're going to come back next week and we'll probably do another ra- one more just kind of wrap up of the entire series and we're going to we'll do, do another little... three hours trust us <laughs> yeah, we'll, I'm sure once, once we get going um, but so next but, week but there's we going to also... be this, this mega documentary recap on HBO as sort of our, our fill in um, for not having a show anymore after after two years of having nothing we got six weeks of, of intense emotional uh amazement now they're gonna do a little i don't think it's gonna be like a behind the episodes thing so much or like a it looks a lot more like cast focus they show like from the last table read and everyone getting emotional so i think it's gonna be really good i think it's gonna be a lot more you know interesting than than they're we're gonna we're gonna sort of review it yeah oh there was another water bottle behind the chair of the thing it's like no we'll get a shit mistakes were made the night is dark and full of errors <laughs> oh man you know it was obviously filmed you know six months ago or whatever but they probably like it's funny that like i'm sure they probably combed through frames to be like oh we didn't fuck anything else up did we and like they probably just didn't catch it because it almost kind of blends in with the scene but like yeah there it, for people that don't know there were there were a couple water bottles in that in that kind of king's moot scene like yeah. hidden behind their chairs behind their again feet. they're out there in the fucking heat right they're in all these <laughs> layers of clothes that have to be consistent. You might have a week long. I mean, that probably that fucking that scene out there probably took a week to shoot. And on one day it was 35 degrees and the next day it was 85 degrees. And they got to wear the same fucking wardrobe the whole time. So one day they're fucking sweating. The next day you can see their breath. Like, look at the continuity Again, no, of these scenes. Honestly, there are scenes mm-hmm. where they're outdoors and it's sunny and it's supposed to be fucking warm and you can see their breath because it was cold that day. And you can't tell that, you know, the road warrior was one of the coldest films ever made. And everyone's wearing fucking like, you know, uh, like bondage gear out in the desert. And they're, you can see their breath because it's cold in the desert. Again, though, I like to imagine in that scene that like uh, the guy who plays Sam, like found that water bottle at the end of the thing. And he's like sweating to death and he's exhausted after like 10 hours of shooting. And he just kind of like pushes it with his foot, like off the stage. He's like, oh. No, I didn't see it. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you know, yeah. not reshooting all of this. They'll they'll find it and post and delete it. Oh, exactly. Um, exactly. Uh, yeah. And the, you never know because you don't it, when you're sitting there, you don't know unless the the the, you you know, know how the, framing the DP you doesn't right, necessarily yeah. always tell you the framing. Um, if you're shooting one principle 
then yeah, they know the framing. They'll be like, okay, how do you have me boxed in here? And they'll kind of be like, okay, it's just like your shoulders and here. If you're shooting a wide shot, like they don't know what necessarily the shot you're using. And they might have a take where, um, you know, they didn't have a totally clean set, but that's the shot where something uh, unique happened that wasn't scripted. And they're like, oh, we have to use that shot. And they just mm-hmm. don't happen to see the one little fucking thing in the background that, that kind of breaks the fourth wall. But it was it was kind of hilarious. So, um, yeah, I uh, I think we've pretty much wrapped it up. We'll be back next week. Um, if you want to support the show uh, and our you know future uh, shows, I'm sure we're going to be doing other reviews going forward. Uh, we'll have to figure out uh, what series are worthy of that sort of treatment. I mean, you know, maybe we'll see how the Watchmen thing shakes out. Whether or not it looks like it's going to be. Yeah, worthy of reviewing or not? It, it but, would be nice know. to just review a couple of standalone films. We haven't done that for a long time, and yeah, we'll do that. Too. We've had "Sorry to Bother You" on our back burner for like six months now. We really should be uh, <laughs> get around to that. If you're really down with our left wing politics, I can't think of a better movie to um, to do than that one. Yeah, yeah, we got a bunch of stuff to review. So, um, and and uh, Fahrenheit eleven nine, we still haven't done either. Oh, or did man. we do that? I don't think uh, we did that. I. Th- I thought we did. I don't even remember Maybe what's we, on our own canon now. I know, we, I know time, we did yeah. Vice. I know we did Vice, but... Yeah, I don't think we ever did Fahrenheit 11. But in any event, so we got, we got a lot of shit to do. Because, yeah, I don't think I've ever watched it since I saw it in the theater. But uh, hopefully we'll, we'll we'll have a lot more content going forward. I, I eventually want to get to the point where we can do, you know, multiple shows. Uh, if you like our analysis, you know, that we we can't really do that because we both do have full-time jobs. But if we ever get the Patreon to a point where it's sustaining uh, us, we can, you know, hopefully focus a lot more of our time on producing content. Uh, Cause it's, it, it's really a, a time suck and a money suck to, to, to host all this content. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't so. always have to be three hours in a row, but you know, it's, it is the final season of the best show that's ever been. So yeah, no, it deserved it. I mean, you know, we're not going to do that for everything we review, but it this certainly was deserving of it. Um, and we like to hear ourselves talk. Also, we're two white that guys of the podcast. I mean, obviously, we like to hear ourselves talk. I don't know. Do <laughs> other other genders or races that have podcasts? I've I don't I don't know if that's a, I don't know. No, I'm not aware. No, I don't. Um, but no. So yeah, if you want to support the show, um, you can uh, rate, review, and subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts. That helps the show uh, raise up in the rankings. Uh, obviously, listen to our main show. If you like what you hear from us and you care about politics, we host our uh, Socialist Talk podcast, uh, Move Left Idiots, every Thursday night. Uh, you can check that out on the same feeds where you're listening to this. You can uh, follow us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash move left. If you want to support us on Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com slash move left. You can follow us uh, over on Facebook if you want to join over there, facebook.com slash move left idiots. If you want to, uh, what am I forgetting? Oh, if you want to get any merch, you can do so at tinyurl.com slash move left merch. I'm on Twitter at move underscore left. And I'm on Twitter at smut collector with an ER, not an OR. I did go back and try to change that. And I realized that with an OR is already taken, which what I assumed was my, my typo was actually not a typo. I just must've set up the account when I was uh, inebriated and didn't remember 
the origin story of why it's an ER, not an OR. So we'll see. I might change it up to something else. We'll, you know, I like to keep it the same thing all the time, but uh, that is where you can find me for now. Yeah. And we will uh, be back next week to review the documentary. But for now, uh, our watch has ended and we will see you next week. There, there was some there, there. 